Hey Who fans, welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And we're at episode 110. Woo! One day, I shall come back. Oh dear, we are in trouble, aren't we? I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. I have the advantage of being slightly ahead of you. Sometimes behind you, but normally ahead of you. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems not a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. A meteor storm that the sky above us was dancing with light. Purple, green, brilliant yellow, yes! I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? Rose. Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. It's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. Just remember who's standing in your way. Look at the eyebrows. These are attack eyebrows. You can take bottle tops off with these. Hope you guys have had a fantastic week. Welcome to the show. Episode 110. Ooh. Or 110. No, I like 110. It almost sounds like you should say it in a robotic voice. I was just thinking that, you know. Yeah. One, one. Perhaps you could do it in a, in a 70s sarcastic computer voice, like in our review app. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to get some... I really should get some sound, like some voice. Vocoder oh, effects or something like that. Some modulators, yeah. Yeah. Seeing as we're doing a Doctor Who slash... <laughs> Sci-fi visions show. of you, visions of you with all these effects pedals that change your voice, <laughs> just changing them throughout the show. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> well, the Dalek one's not too. Actually, no. Oh, well, I'm not a sure. Sill that... one would be good. Imagine having a Sill effects pedal. <laughs> oh, that'd be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Miss Sill. Oh, he's well. He's still around. <laughs> he's knocking somewhere. about. He's still out there somewhere. Yeah. Being pushed around. Knocking about. Tank fish tank here. Um. Yeah, I miss. I miss that gurgling you know the thing <laughs> where <Well>, galactic slug <laughs> yeah talking of slugs we got some slug like creatures coming up in our review oh yeah oh yeah mm. oh yeah mm. just saying to you oh, i was just saying before we kicked off yeah we <laughs> i treated to my partner to an episode last night while we were having our dinner which didn't go down well oh dear <laughs> not the sort of episode you want to watch when you're having food is it yeah probably not the best choice for dinner um yeah actually talking of um stuff like that um i'm going through um uh a a watch through of the x-files as you probably know Mm, which i started months ago and i got the the box set on blu-ray and i've picked it up and there was one episode that just absolutely made me put my lunch down and i couldn't return to it oh really yeah it was it was horrible really really bad oh. um but yeah so i know i know how he feels you know having to oh God, did you turn it off did you have to turn it off no you started it oh <laughs> no, crikey I, it. I was like i've got to i said i've got to review this tomorrow I've got to get it watched oh, yeah see there we go there yeah, that's yeah. it right there turn yeah. this off no nope. yeah although i did i did to be fair when it got when it got to the end of the episode i still had one left to watch and i did then switch it off i said that's all right i'll watch the other one on my own tomorrow don't worry <laughs> It's uh, all right, yeah. Only because I knew I'd be crying at the end of it, but anyway, we'll we'll get onto that later. But yeah, put EastEnders on. Go on. It's oh, fine. that no, 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 that <laughs> never goes on. That's about the one thing me and my other half do agree on. EastEnders never goes on in this house. Like as soon as the the, the drums start, we both claw for the control to get it off. We're like, no, 
That's good. I, yeah. yeah, I actually get an, a, a very um, <laughs> unnatural satisfaction out of switching off. I always have a big grin on my face. A, I, don't know, I love switching extenders off. I'm like, no, they're not having my ratings. Well, we went through, um, years and years ago, my wife went through a phase of, of watching EastEnders religiously. Like, she wouldn't go a night without missing it. You know, she, you know it had to be on, had to be watched. Mm. And then she sort of fell out of, you know, out of the loop for a while. And then she's never picked it back up. And that was about two or three years ago, which is yeah. fantastic because it's a ridiculous program. <laughs> I, I know a lot of people like it. I just, I just cannot. Whenever I've watched any of it, which isn't very often, but whenever I watched it, it's just like people shouting at each other or pushing each other under cars. I'm like, who wants to watch this at half seven in the evening? It's just so depressing. I, d- I just don't get why it's so popular. But a lot of people like it. Um, yeah. So fair enough. But the, the thing is that really does get me is people who watch it on Christmas Day. Oh, who like, wants to watch that on Christmas Day? Like it's an event. Like it's the thing to oh. do on Christmas Day is watch these. No. No, no, no. But it's always a murder or or something worse. It's like what Christmas an affair day? that's come out and yeah, you know oh. someone's getting a, a right hand. But here's the thing about <laughs> EastEnders, right? Get out of my pub. get out of yeah. Here's this will blow your mind about EastEnders, and you'll never anyone that any of our listeners that watch it, uh, uh, UK listeners especially. I don't know about um, our other listeners from around uh, from other countries. You may not have heard of it, so you 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 you've lucked out there. Well, no, you're in luck, should I say. But the thing about EastEnders, right, is that it's set in the East End of London. It's a fictional little bit of London, isn't it? But it's set in the yeah. East End. Um, and as you know, me and the missus, we spend, me and the family, we spend, you know, quite a bit of time in the East End. And um, the thing about EastEnders is because of the time of day it's on, nobody is allowed to swear. Now, anyone that's ever been to the East End of London will know that that is the most <laughs> unrealistic thing yeah. ever. So that that's my main problem with East Enders, and the the reason why I've never been able to get into it because it's, you know, it it's a bit like having to despair, you know, how you know to suspend belief when you're watching Doctor Who. It's that yeah. kind of thing that you have to get into my head. And those of you that have not thought about that before, you'll probably never watch it in the same way again. Because if you go to the East End of London. Give it 20 seconds and you'll hear a swear word of some kind. Yeah. It's inevitable. It you is. can watch it's half not, an not... hour of EastEnders and they're all set in East, you know, and not one, per- I think the most you'll ever hear is the B word. You know, the, 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 the B-I-T blah, blah, blah word or the, I think, you know, Christmas special you might hear the B-A-S-T blah, 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 blah. Yeah. <laughs> you might hear those occasionally, but yeah. No good. Totally unrealistic. Completely. Yeah. yeah it just yeah. ruins everything because you can't buy into it now. Well, they're restricted by that half seven. Exactly. Yeah. You know, time slot you see. If it was on a 10. Say, yeah. You flipping bounder. You flipping. <laughs> I've been out in that flip. Oh, I sound like Moss from the IT crowd. <laughs> you flipping <laughs> ploppers. <laughs> if it was on at 10 o'clock then yes and they could all swear their heads off you know every other word was just you know I bet the cast do I bet when they finish filming they have to get it all out of their system especially Danny <laughs> Dyer he can't go like two minutes without swearing old Danny Dyer so I bet, yeah I bet they all let rip when they've all finished cut oh thank me for the beauty Danny Dyer yeah that was a very naughty very naughty naughty 
Oh, People are going to be tuning in thinking, what's this EastEnders podcast I tuned <laughs> into? <laughs> yeah, Danny died. I had to get out. I couldn't do it anymore. Nah, nah, mate, that was naughty. Get out. Very naughty. Anyways, Doctor Who, back to... Oh, yeah, Doctor Who. Back yeah. to Pet! Doctor Who. Oh, no, sorry, Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> back to the Who. You been up to anything, mate? I've had a very quiet week, Doctor <laughs> no, I've been watching these days. Been... No, I haven't. I, have I never watched it. You've been secretly watching it. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? Just quickly before we move off this EastEnders thing, do you know what? I did actually bump into Pat uh, in, in town about two months ago. You know, remember Pat? Old Pat earrings. Butcher? Yep. Yeah, earrings. That's it. I did actually bump into her. She's so posh. She's she really lovely. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't, obviously didn't tell her that I think the show's a pile of poop. Um, so I was like, oh, hello, Pam, how are you? I was really chatty. <laughs> you <laughs> look a great picture with her. <laughs> you look well now you've left that pile of beep behind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, you're not used to me swearing. You're not anyone swearing, are you? Because you're in EastEnders or you were in EastEnders, so it's all right. Okay. She was Terry Potts, actually. I said, do you mind having a picture? Said, oh, yeah, sure. She's smart and so, Yeah, lovely lady. Anyway, let's move off EastEnders. Um, Doctor Who. Doctor Who. Uh, this week, um, not a great deal. I did book my ticket for um, our Disappearing Planet uh, event that's coming up at... Um, it's not Windsor, is it? It's Slough. <laughs> they always say Windsor. It's the 10th Planet event. Uh, Tom oh, Baker's yes. going to yep. be there. William Russell's going to be there, who's an absolutely brilliant guest. Um, I've been lucky enough to meet him once. He's, he's fantastic. Um, and I want to get a picture with him uh, as well. So as soon as he was added, I was like, right, I'm going. Uh, who else is there? There's loads of people there. Um, Mavis, you know, he was in our last week's review episode. I do really knew. Oh, yeah. She's yep. there, whatever her name is. Uh, I won't be meeting her, though. Um, <laughs> yeah, lots of good people are there. Carol Ann Ford's there. She doesn't do many uh, events. So this is the 10th Planet event in Slough. So I got my ticket for that, which is end of November, I think. Um, so I'm pretty pleased about that. Bizarrely, it's on a Sunday, though, which is a shame because you've been to an event with me there and they've got a nice little bar area, haven't they? They've got a very <laughs> nice think- little Regular listeners know that I enjoy a pint. So I was really looking forward to going to the event and then uh, getting lashed up in the bar afterwards, uh, which is pretty standard for me. And then I realised it's on a Sunday and I was thinking, oh, no, because I'll be getting a bus and a train back. And, oh, God, I was thinking, oh, that's a shame. Let's put the mockers on on getting lashed. Yeah, that's In the bar yeah. with Tom and Carol and all the other Mavis. Just imagine it, can't you? Like you were last time, getting lashed up in the bar of them the night before. I hardly call it lashed up. Who was it? It was wrecked. Which which actor was it that was wrecked when you were at that last event? It was the gentleman that played Nida in oh, yeah. Genesis oh, of the Dark. Yes, he's there. He's there. This he's at this one. Yes. Um, what's his name? Um, uh, oh, Peter Mar- Peter Miles. That's it. Peter Miles. It was him and the guy that was played Davros. Not Terry Malloy. Um, no, no, David Goodison. That's it, yeah. Um, it Is was, it David? Hang on. I think so, yeah. Yeah. It, it was those guys um, and another couple of guys that had joined them. And, uh, yeah, they just started drinking at about 8 o'clock. And I I was sat on me Todd. I'd only had a couple of pints, you know. And I was on me, on me uh, I was Billy No Mates. I just had my iPad. I was reading a book, sitting in a bar. And I went yeah. through and had dinner and they were sat there already drinking. This is about eight o'clock. And I left and after I had dinner, I went back through to the bar and I had another drink. I must have went up to, went up to bed about half past 10, I would say. And they were still at it. 
Um, yeah. And there's just basically three or four empty bottles of wine. There was, you know, they they were absolutely lashed. And uh, yeah, how the, how they got up and and did that the next day is beyond me. Because they're not, they used, you know, spring they chickens. Used it, mate. They, they, they used to have the BBC bar. That's, <laughs> that's Slough Bar's nothing compared to the BBC bar. No, they're, they're probably used to it. But I know what you mean. How they got up and, and did a convention the next day, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Peter Miles, he did look, you know, a, a, a slight shade of green for the first <laughs> couple of hours. Because um, you got there a bit late, didn't you, I think, on that one? Yeah, I did, yeah. So yeah. I think by the time you'd got there, he'd had a couple of coffees and he was all right. But yeah. By himself going. So that'll be a good event then. It will be good. I'm actually really looking forward to that. I know I know a lot of people who I've met sort of at um, you know, other events as well, and people who watch my YouTube channel and that are all like, Are you going? So yeah, it sounds like it's gonna be a lot of people there that I know through the channel and through guys who listen to the podcast as, as well. So as well as a lo- load of great guests, I'm sort of really looking forward to geeking out with some fellow fans as well. Yeah. So yeah, well looking forward to that. Uh, the only other thing that I've done this week or or that's happened this week is I had um a couple of the new Doctor Who Funko Pops arrive oh, okay. um, from this new wave. You know, we've got, um, so I've got Davros, who's pretty good. He's like the big six inch super oh, pop. Oh, cool. Yep. What's the detail yeah, like on, on his? Re- pretty good, actually. Yeah, yeah apart from that, because uh, I don't know, obviously Funko don't have much quality control. There's always splodges. <laughs> or, he's got a bit of a splodge on his nose, um, which <laughs> kind of ruins it. But, but no, he looks good. He's a good Funko, actually. I think you'd like him. I think you might want to get him. Um, his okay. control panel thingy, looks brilliant actually they've done a really good job with that That's you know his little yeah. desk of switches uh no he's a good pop actually if you like your funkos he's, he's a good one and as i said because he's bigger he's he's a good one for your shelf so you might want to pick him up um you know, so, oh the war doctors in that range he's he's my favorite one of the lot actually he's he's a really good funko pop he looks good um, actually yeah he yeah. is good yeah um and then you've got more variants of the 11th and 12th doctor which well the Matt, doc, the Matt variant is the one from Nightmare and Silver, so I wasn't that mm-hmm. excited about him. But he's okay. And then you've got a 12th Doctor with guitar and Sonic Shades, which sounds like it'd be disastrous because I hate the Sonic Shades, but actually it's quite a <laughs> nice Funko pop. It kind of suits the figure. So I'm a bit torn on that one because I hate the Sonic Shades, but I actually quite like the figure. So, yeah, I've got him. And then I'm waiting for the other one. There's... Uh, 10th doctor that comes with his hand his fine hand yes uh, which yeah. uh, didn't get sent and very annoyingly i thought oh he's out of stock he'll be ages i thought i'll just do a video on these now get it get it filmed before it before they're out of date so i filmed it all this is on monday <laughs> and literally i sat down to start editing it together and in the video obviously i've said in the video of i've got all the range but this one's out of stock so you know whatever anyway i got as soon as i started editing it i got a dispatch email saying he's on his way and i'm thinking oh no he'll be here by the end of the week so i'm thinking might just hold off and refilm like the last bit and you know the last few bits and, mm-hmm. and add him in because it seems a shame not to have him as he's part of the range so yeah i've got 10 with the fighting hand on his way ready to be thrown over the wall any day now you're hand fine yeah. so yeah they're, they're pretty cool actually i mean i wasn't that excited when they were announced but again when you get them in hand they're, they're pretty cool Hmm. pretty decent but yeah i know i know you weren't too bothered about them but the davros one i think you'll like cool yeah cool yeah but that's it mate i haven't really been up to anything else i've been trying not to spend too much dollar you know yeah exactly the same for me mate and i haven't had a chance to watch any other doctor who this week because (laughs) reviewing a pertwee app like we are today 
it's a six parter and it's kind of taken up any, you know, mm. my, normally I might have managed to squeeze another one in as well, but no, with, with it being a six parter, I've, I've only had time to watch the review at this week. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been me. What, what about you? Um, I've been extremely light on anything Doctor Who. The only thing I've done is I've watched a couple of stories and that's it. So, um, yeah. I literally haven't had time uh, mm. to do much else really. So I'll watch obviously our review, uh, the green death. Um, mm. and then after that, as is always the case after watching our review app, I'm in the mood for that particular doctor. So I yeah. stuck on death to the Daleks. Oh, wow. God, I haven't watched that for, for ages. Yeah. It's not too bad. It's a four part. So it's not quite as long as, um, the green death. No, so it's not too bad. Now I, the thing is with the Pertwee Dalek stories is I always get confused. Which one's death? Is that the one with the sort of clay people? The Exelons. That's the one. <laughs> it's that one, is it? It is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Because Day is the one with the all got ogrons. I can't say the other one. Yeah, the yeah. potato. Man. And then, um, yeah, <laughs> and then there's another one, isn't there? Which is really long and people. With That's right. Yeah, pink fluffy coats and uh, yeah. See, I haven't watched those for quite a while, actually. Yeah, mm. we haven't reviewed that one, have we? Death no, the Daleks. Yeah, so yeah. Well, when we've got that on the schedule, we'll um, because that's a that'll be an interesting review from a Dalek point of view. Yeah. Death to the Daleks. So, um, mm. but yes, um, yeah. So I was just in the mood for a bit of Pertwee and, uh, yeah, stuck. I normally reach for Inferno or Spearhead, mm. but I thought, no, I'm going to leave them on the shelf. I'm going to pick something I haven't watched in ages. Yeah. So it was death. Death. Yeah. Good yeah. choice. And now I feel like watching the Dalek story. <laughs> I have to admit. Yeah. Now, now I've got uh, the green death done. Mm. I could, yeah. I've got a bit of time later this week. Might yep. do. Bang mm. one on. Bang one on. Yeah. Yep. Actually, I'll tell you what, um, one of our listeners, Joe Sweeney, uh, messaged me in the week to say he was watching the invasion, the Patrick Trout story. Oh, right. Okay. And we got to talking about that, which is, and this is another story I haven't watched for ages. And I said to, to said to Joe, I said, yeah, uh, now we're talking about it, a bit like me and you are now. I said, I really, really want to watch that story. Um, but again, I didn't get didn't get time to watch it. But there's there's a story I haven't watched for a while mm. that needs a definite rewatch. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So good stuff. Yeah, so fairly light for us, but we managed to do something. Yeah, we always manage to do something, even if it's something small. Yeah, it's always it. good. Right. This TARDIS is itching for a landing. Okay, twiddle <laughs> those TARDIS switches <laughs> and let's land. Talking of Mr. Pertwee. Hmm. Mr. Polarity. Um, last week, or the week before, can't remember, uh, we told you about a special event that was coming up uh, called Polarity Day to celebrate um, the work of Mr. Pertwee on Who. Um, and we now have some details because um, when we spoke to you guys last, it was a case of this is happening, but we don't know when or what or all that stuff. So, uh, we have a date, which is the 23rd of October, uh, and it will start at 1pm in the afternoon and finish at around half past five. Um, and uh, yes, it's just a celebration, basically, of uh, and remembering John Pertwee as the Doctor. Um, it's going to have some special guests there. We will have Katie Manning, 
We will have Richard Franklin, Bob Baker, and Terence Dix. Oh, cool. They will all be there. Um, there will be a special showing of The Claws of Axos. Ah. Which is awesome. We have reviewed mm. that, haven't we? Yeah, we did that not that long ago, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. And it's um, it's actually, uh, we thought that was pretty good. I yeah, it's a good one. Ma- yeah, back like to our Axos. scores. But yeah, it was a good um, it was a good one from what I remember. Mm. Um, we reviewed that quite well. So yeah, special Christ sc- I love special screenings. There's something yeah. about watching Doctor Who in, with a bunch of other people. Oh, absolutely. And on the big screen as well. Yeah. I don't know what mm. it is, but it's just, you know, there's an atmosphere, you know, when mm. you're in with like-minded people and you're all really into it and it's just great. It's a bit like um, going to the cinema to see a film that you really, really want to see that you're so looking forward to and then you get there and everyone else feels the same. Yeah, it's great. I know what you mean. Yeah. So Claws of Axos, that'll be on. Um, tickets to this uh, event are free. Free, yeah. Yes, there is no cost. However, uh, you do have to apply in a certain way in order to get said tickets. Um, um, before I do, though, just give you a reminder of the venue. It's at the new Wimbledon Theatre. Uh, which is in Wimbledon, funnily enough, in London. Strange, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, there'll be panel sessions as well. There'll be sign-ins, there'll be autographs um, and all that stuff. And they're also obviously going to unveil the plaque, uh, which is going to go on the building. Yeah, nice blue plaque. That'd be, that'd be good, won't it? Which is yeah. awesome, yeah. Um, mm. So you can request up to two tickets maximum per person. Um, and... The way now, this is a the this is a, a, a tad old school. We're going back to like Saturday morning going live, Blue Peter style uh, way of getting tickets for this one. So yeah. you can't email, you can't tweet, you can't do any of that stuff. You have to send um a stamped addressed envelope. <laughs> wow, <laughs> this is awesome. This brings me back to like uh, swap the, shop, the days of yeah, just Saturday morning. <laughs> Uh, going live and stuff like that where <laughs> yeah. if you wanted to enter a competition or if you wanted to get something you had to send in an already stamped envelope for then you know for them to send you the stuff back younger listeners are going to be thinking what the heck is this about what are they on about yeah so you have to actually get a pen you have to buy <laughs> two envelopes so you have to send so first of all you have to you write out the first envelope with your own address on it and get a stamp on it that's the first thing I can see, we, I can imagine we've lost a certain demographic. We have, the, yes. Already, they think, oh, top yeah. that. So, <laughs> you need two envelopes. The first one has to fit inside the second one. That's the main thing. Mm. Whether you fold it up and put it in or you buy a slightly smaller one, up to you. The first envelope, or the smaller one, you have to write your own address on it and put a stamp on it so that they can put the tickets in that and post it back to you. Cool. The larger envelope, the second one, you have to post obviously off to them which contains your self-addressed envelope and you have to send it to uh polarity day dwas unit 117 33 queen street horsham romeo hotel 13 5 alpha alpha uh i'm not gonna repeat that because this is a podcast so just rewind it yeah (laughs) um the if you're a member of the doctor who appreciation society you will get first dibs as is always the case. Um, and uh, on their website, it does say that this is going to be extremely high demand. So if you want tickets to this, I would suggest you get that over to them immediately. 
It does sound like a great event, actually. Joking mm. aside about it, it does sound like a really good event. And it's free um, just for the sake of an envelope. So it's, it's got to be worth doing, isn't it? Oh, yeah. So what, what happens if you don't get tickets? Though? They just send you your envelope back. An uh, empty envelope. Imagine getting the envelope back. I've got tickets. You open it. It's just dust. Oh, oh crikey. I'm not sure. Them. Yeah. It's like, mm. Mm. Uh, right. It says so. Um, oh, hold on. It says, yeah, sadly, uh, if you do not comply with the above requirements, we were unable uh, to consider your application. So I assume that you don't get anything back. Nothing. Nothing no. back. Oh, dear. No. So there we go. Um, if you're outside the UK and you want to go, you can email them and they'll give you some additional details on how you can apply. Uh, oh, right. So just email events at dwasonline.co.uk if you're outside the UK. Mm. Please do not flood their inbox with ticket requests and all that if you're in the UK because they'll just tell you to sod off yeah. or they'll just ignore it. So, uh, But anyway, just to sum up, Polarity Day um, it looks awesome. Um, I will definitely be sending in my stamped addressed envelope. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, 23rd of October in London. I'll be doing it as well, just to double our chances. Yes. Yeah, uh, great stuff. Right, um, in other news, um, class... Well, class, we finally got some some stuff going on with this. Uh, it's coming on the 22nd of October. We're first two episodes to air on BBC Three. And uh, the first episode is going to feature Peter Capaldi. You do surprise Yay! me. What a shock. What a shock um, that is. Yeah, so that's going to be exciting. Uh, just out of interest, did you watch the, li- the live sort of announcement, the feed thing they did? You're going to be very surprised at this. You didn't. But I didn't. Ah. And that was sarcasm there. Ah. No, I, I did. didn't watch it. Did you watch it? Any good? Yes, I did. Because I was at home, but I kind of, um, <laughs> I was, it was the, the, the timing was bad because it was about 4.30. Um, I can't remember why, but I sort of had it going on in the background, but I had to do something else at the same time. So I sort of had one eye on it and I was listening to it while t- trying to do something else, which escapes my mind right now. Um, yes, it was yeah, it was like 15 minutes. It wasn't very long, and it just had the the guys from the show there giving you a bit more information. There was some interesting stuff come come out, actually, because the more they talked about it, and they were being very guarded not to give too much away, understandably, but the more they talked about it, the more adult this show is beginning to sound. I don't think this, from what I'm hearing, I don't think this is going to be the show we initially thought. Now, I could be wrong, but like, for example, um, Faddy, I think it was, or maybe one of the other guys right. was saying about the amount of blood in the show. They were saying, oh, it, it was like as one bit where it was just so much. It was making me all of us feel really queasy and ill. And I was thinking, really? Now, this sounds more like a sort of um, horror film than, you know, it sounds like more like the sort of going down the torchwood road to me okay because uh, if you remember like the first sort of series of torchwood we we had they sort of crammed in quite quite a bit of language and blood splurting and stuff didn't they it toned it down a little bit as it went on but i think the first series they were really going for it um so yeah i don't know the more i heard about hear about this the more i'm thinking it's it's sounding more teenage stroke adult i don't think this is going to be quite the sort of um light sort of show that we perhaps were first expecting, which could be a good thing if well, it's darker than we imagine. Yes, absolutely. I mean, according to the moth, it's mm. uh, going to be sexy at least. Ooh, yeah. So there's that. There is that. Well, I'll give you the, the thing that... Oh, moth. Um, <laughs> I'll give you the rundown that it, basically for the... So the first two episodes, we've got titles for these as well uh, now. So 
the first episode is going to be called For Tonight We Might Die. That in itself sounds like a barrel of laughs. Uh, the second episode is The Coach with the Dragon Tattoo. I'm saying it like that because that's the first time I've actually read the title. Um, that sounds bit weird and there's a little synopsis which reads as follows um it's a new term at coal hill academy and the students are preparing for the autumn prom but when the school comes under attack four alienated students must form an unlikely alliance to defeat them and this incursion is only the beginning Mm. Yes. I read that wrong when I first when I first read this. I thought it said alien students. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking that's interesting. They're alienated. Come on, so mate. I guess they're going to be like you know, outcasts. They're going to be in betweeners, aren't they? Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it goes on <laughs> to say. Just tell you you're not excited about this at all. It goes on to say, um, they have been charged with a great responsibility by the mysterious alien known as the Doctor. Uh, to guard against the creatures of nightmare that want nothing more to f- than to find a way through to Earth and take it for their own. So this is basically Torchwood for young peeps. It's sounding or younger like it to peeps, me. should I say? Yeah, yeah. It sounded like it to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Right. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, Do you know what's really funny is like your little um, Skype window is positioned perfectly on the new ProWorm image. So you, I've got, I don't know whose body it is. They're sort of running down a corridor and you, and the top half of the body is you. And I'm telling you, let me take a picture of this. It's absolutely perfect. If this works out right, I'll, I'll post it on Twitter. It probably won't. Oh, I think the, no, you, you can just see the reflection on my hand. That's a shame. That you built work. everyone up now and now they're going to be I'll disappointed. I'll post it anyway, but you yeah. won't be able to see what I mean. But it looks like you're part of the class <laughs> team running down the corridor right now as we yeah, record. Yeah, mm. yeah. I'm just trying to get you involved in the show in any way I possibly can. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying my hardest to not be so, you know, cynical mm. and... Stuff like that. It's just, uh, I don't know. Uh, oh, I don't know. It just seems like, you know, if you're going to do a spin off of Doctor Who, um, can't we just do something that really pushes, you know, pushes the envelope a bit and not, oh, I don't know, this, the formula for the show just seems to have been done so many times before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just, there was a, there was a program um, that was quite popular called Misfits, wasn't there? Oh yeah, Channel yeah. Four. I think this is that same sort of vibe where it's like these sort of social, sort of outcast, alienated type of people who mm. band together, and you know, and we've seen it so many times over the you know, movies and TV for donkeys years now, where you have a school environment or some sort, you know, and you have the the lesser known geeks or the alienated students as they word it in this sort of band together and form a club. And then I don't know. I, I just wish they'd have gone something, you know, can't we just, I don't know. I just can't get my head into it. You know, it's just, no, it's just not grabbing you. No, it's just not original enough. You know, it's just a mixture of tortured and cliches that we've seen for donkey's years all rolled into a, a spin off and getting Capaldi in on episode one. What's the need for that? Well, I, I knew they were, that's just obvious, isn't it? I knew they were going to do that. But look at it this way. At least we'll get to see the Doctor this year. 
before Christmas. Yeah, I mean, that's another thing that just doesn't work in my head, you know, the doctor instructing a bunch of kids or teenagers to put their lives in danger, you know, to protect Coal Hill's score, i.e. the planet. Mm. You know, it's a bit like American films, you know, like um, American action films where when aliens are going to attack the Earth and take over, it always seems to happen in New York or Washington or something, you know? Yeah, it's I know got you that mean, vibe yeah. to it. It's like, why, mm. you know, yes, Coal Hill School has, you know, been in Doctor Who since the very beginning and it's got, you know, a level of importance, but it's not the world. You know, it's not... Oh, crikey. Let, let's move on before I reach other round. All right. Well, well, we've only got a couple of weeks to wait. It could be better than <laughs> we think. I'm, I must admit, I'm... I'm a little bit more excited. You are. But yeah. by this a little bit, yeah. And I and at least the promo image hasn't chopped everybody's heads off like the last one. So we actually get to see <laughs> our cut. Now I think I don't know. I, let's see what happens. It airs in what was it 22nd, isn't it? Yes, which yes. you know, just to rub a wee bit of salt in the wound, that's the anniversary of Torchwood. Oh yes it that. is. So yeah. uh, we're not getting a new Torchwood sadly, but we are getting we are getting class, but class. you know every cloud and mm. all that. Every <laughs> cloud, anyway. Adam, get, I'm looking yeah. out the window. I can see some Daleks outside. Uh, are you looking at are you looking out the Tardis window? Yeah. God, it must be the first Doctor's Tardis. And when you could, oh, do you no, it opens like the window flaps at the begin at the front. <laughs> I'm looking, <laughs> never, never to be seen again. Uh, actually, hold on. I'm, I'm looking through, I'm looking at the monitor, which shows That's me what's it. going on outside. What, yes. And I can see Daleks out there. Bring them in. Match corner. Match corner. Match corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. So just a quick bit of merch uh, this week. Um, uh, we had um, some information through from our good friend, Mr. Andy Frankham Allen from Candy Jar, uh, with an update on the Lethbridge Stewart range of books. So um, I didn't know this. You probably did. Everyone else probably did. But the books have been grouped into a series or series is yeah. so far. Why didn't I know? I just thought it was a just one big continuation, one after the other. But no, they have been grouped into series. And... Uh, the first two series have been and gone already. Yeah. Um, so series two ended with the grandfather infestation, mm. um, which I've still yet to read, but it is on on the list. Um, however, we have got three new stories coming in October, um, which will kick off series three. Um, most notably, the first book in series three called Times Squared, um, which is a direct sequel to The Web of Fear. Oh, awesome. So that's great news, isn't it? Yes. Um, so really looking forward to that. That's an absolute pickup, especially if you're a fan of The Web of Fear, that story. Um, yes. And that's uh, written by Rick Cross. Uh, the next story will be called Blood of Atlantis, uh, written by Simon A. Ford. And the third story will be Mind of Stone. It written, uh, written by Ian McLaughlin. So um, three awesome titles there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Times Square. That, I mean, the Web of Fear, such a great story. It is brilliant, yeah. Um, yeah. And to have a sequel, yay. 
Yeah, these um, guys. Like I think you said this the other week. They're kind of knocking it out of the park with these books at the moment, aren't they? To, to think we're all already going into series three of them is is quite something, actually. It's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm. So the next one, Times Squared, as you can guess from the title, is set in New York. Um, uh, with uh, our friendly, well, yeah, our friendly monsters, the Yeti, uh, set in the underground or the subway of New York City. Brilliant. Um, so that's going to be good. Um, and then, yeah, the other two titles are on the way. So one thing I would say about the um, the Lethbridge Stewart books is always keep your eye on the Candy Jar website and always uh, always follow. Make sure you follow uh, Andy Frank Allen on Twitter because these guys frequently throw up um, three for two, 10% off, discount codes, all that stuff. Um, yeah. And it's getting to the point now where um, readers who haven't jumped in uh, to the range of books yet might start getting that feeling like, crikey, um, you know, there's been like seven books already and now you're talking about series three and another. So that's going to be, is it 10? Yeah, to 10 books altogether. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I haven't really, you know, where do I start, you know, from the beginning? Can I pick up any of them? Are they standalone? Um, so what I would say is, absolutely, if you haven't read any of these books yet, absolutely pick up the first one the forgotten son get that one in the bag first and then just keep your eye on the candy jar site and their twitter and andy frank Allen, um who's the author and sort of overseer he's like the moth equivalent at candy jar mm. books isn't he he like oversees everything um so yeah so just keep your eye on all that all that stuff and you they You've probably seen them as well, mate, haven't you? They always throw up a discount code or some kind of offer quite that's right. regularly. Yeah. 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 Um, but that's great news. I'm really glad that they're keeping it going and it's going to start next month. Yeah. It's a great range. Yeah. Very pleased to see it carrying on. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, so that will look good on the shelf. It will. On that ever Boeing bookshelf. The Boeing bookshelf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that. <laughs> right. News and merch done. Uh, let's yep. move on to our review story. Adam, you little maggot. <laughs> or should I say Adam? Yes, oh. come on. Let's have, the, let's have the accent. Adam, please tell us what are we going to be reviewing this week? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure where that, that was. Uh, this week, it's maggot infestation. Uh, it is, of course, the green death. The facts of it is the only logical solution. Well, it won't work. I oh, you are mistaken. I can't be wrong. I am infallible. Really? Then try this one. If I were to tell you that the next thing I say will be true, but that the last thing I said was a lie, would you believe me? Um, the matter is not bad. Check. Well, it can be worked out. Yes. Gone. Your, your statements do not correlate. They are incompatible. It is not a valid query. Give me time, Doctor. I shall work it out. I shall work it out. It cannot be answered. But I will work it out. I shall work it out. I must. Check and mate. Check. And mate. That's, there you go. See how easily defeated <laughs> these computers are. Yes. 
with just a simple riddle, puzzle, question, yeah. whatever. It took it took me a minute to get my head around it when he first said it. I, I'll, I'll admit I did rewind it to say, "What was he? What?" But yeah, yeah that was yeah, very clever. Very clever. Mm. Right. <laughs> the Green Death was out. <laughs> was out. <laughs> it was broadcast. <laughs> in May it started in 1973. 73, eh? Cool. It's a six-parter, and uh, it's part of series 10, uh, written by Robert Sloman and Barry Letts. Barry Letts is uncredited, ah. but he did throw his two cents in. Mm. Um, directed by Michael Bryant and overseen by Mr. Dix. Um. And yes, as we all know, starring Mr. Pertwee as the third Doc. So, story. Please refrain from referring to me as Doc. Doc. <laughs> right. <laughs> story is uh, as follows. Um, down, down in the, it's set in South Wales and down in the mines, uh, some dude uh, dies. Um, and when they find him, he's got all glowing green stuff over him. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> and uh the um so yeah so that's um there's like this sort of ruthless um sort of horrible management uh team who have uh basically been making a lot of money off these guys in the mines but now they've shut it down everyone's unhappy and now they're going to start um doing something else which will result in lots of horrible chemicals and everything being released into the atmosphere um joe finds out about this um, uh, at the very beginning so she's off to Wales to support those guys and find out what's going on the doctor's off to uh, Metabilis 3 um, which is a hilarious scene which we'll come on to <laughs> yeah. um, or as or as the uh, as the 11th doctor would say Metabilis 3 oh. I'll leave you guys to oh. debate that one um, however on this show he's off to Metabilis 3 mm. Um uh, when he returns, uh, he's like, no way, not up for that. So I'm going to go and join Joe and the brig, find out what's going over there. It turns out that these greedy uh, company managers are actually being controlled by a supercomputer who's gone nuts. Mm. Um, and uh, there's also, as a result of the um, uh, horrible stuff that's being spewed out, um, we have these giant maggots, um, et cetera, et cetera. With very sharp teeth. Which are very, yeah, very famous for the episode, these giant maggots, larvae, whatever you want to say. So that's the Green Death. Yes. Very roughly. Um, Right, so six parts, as we've said. How Mm. did you watch this one? I watched it. I did three and three. I don't know how you did it. Yeah, well, I did, um, no, I did sort of two three and one but it wasn't really it was more the fact um that i was trying to watch it uh (laughs) when i was allowed more than anything um i I think it probably works better actually if you break it up slightly uh to be fair two two and um, two maybe yeah i could have by episode two i could have happily watched episode three i just didn't have time so yeah so i broke it up a bit like you yeah yeah Mm. yeah um i would say that a good way to watch these old ones is if you want if you're a purist is to do one a week for a while. However, if you're, you know, starting a, a marathon or you're into a marathon, that's six weeks. 
mm-hmm. you know, to one story. So that's going to take you an awful long time to get through. Um, if you're doing like a doctor's run, if you're watching all of Pertwee stuff, uh, that'll take you forever. That's quite mad when you think about it, through. isn't it? Yeah, yeah six yeah. weeks. I mean, six weeks is like, you know, back in the, like the old days when Red Dwarf was on. That's a series of Red Dwarf. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah for one story it's pretty nuts so this day and age with the dvd and all that stuff or the digital downloads from bbc store you can probably do it in a week Mm. i would say yeah easily easily yeah so the green death what do you reckon um i I enjoyed it actually i thought it was good actually yeah yeah no i enjoyed it Uh, in my head i thought i always remember it being quite a good one um and I was a bit worried, actually, when I first started watching it, because the first two episodes, although they were good, uh, my initial feeling was, oh, it's not as good as I remember, if you know what I mean. Um, and then normally these six-parters, they tail off and sort of lag a bit, mm-hmm. don't they? And I actually found this this one sort of almost got going after the first two episodes. So, yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. I, th- I don't think it's uh, perfect, um, but I do think it's a, a good story. And and I think it's a really nice send off for Joe. Um, so yeah, overall, yeah, I like like this one. Yeah, what about what about you? Yeah, I don't mind it. It's okay. Oh. I don't mind it. All oh, right, okay. See, yes. I, I've always considered it a bit of a classic. This one, that's what I mean. When I when I first started watching it, it was just was thinking, ah, oh, it's not quite the. It's not quite the you know like when you put Inferno on and it's like, oh yeah this this is just br- mm-hmm. this started off a bit. Yeah, I wasn't too sure, but it's not it's not quite as good as I remember it, but I still thought it was really good. But you're not it's not one that grabs you that much then. Um no, I I think it's good. I, I think mm-hmm. it's um it's a good story and stuff. Um but I do th- every time well, I say every time I watch it, I think this is maybe the third or fourth time I've seen it now. Um but I remember having the same thought process after each time I've watched it and that was um it's it's good. It's a good watch, but I don't. It's not, I don't see why you know a lot of people put it quite highly. Up, up. Yeah, this, yeah. I see what, what you mean. mean. Yeah, yeah. I understand. Yeah. Um, and I think my main reason for that is because it just takes forever to kill these damn maggots. You know, they're not exactly the most um, threatening and you know scary. Uh, uh, monsters to appear in Doctor Who at this point, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're not they're not the most ferocious monsters, are they? But they do they are sort of gross. But that's about I know what you mean. They're not they don't really do like if you'd seen them attack somebody like you know almost like one of the Cybermats, like the early Cybermats, they used to jump up someone's neck or something. You don't see much of that, do you? No. Maybe if we'd seen a bit more. <laughs> don't want to sound like um a league gentleman character here but a bit more killing how many killings is it as you go on it but um but yeah maybe if we'd seen a bit more of them attacking it it probably would have ramped up the threat a little bit i agree with you yeah yes and um so that was it yeah so they weren't very because every time that we see the the maggots they're just sort of very lazily limping around yeah not really doing much and it turns out that you know they're armor plated and stuff, so we have the, <laughs> we have the brig unloading. You know, does nothing, and then and then uh, his his matey with the machine uh, the rifle does nothing. They drop mm-hmm. some bombs out of a helicopter. It does nothing. You just think, oh come on, 
Yeah, and it ends up being defeated by fungus, doesn't it? It ends up by, yeah, fungus. Yeah. Which is unexpected, which is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, I just feel like, because with some stories for me, um, the it can drag on a bit overall. And mm-hmm. you think, you're right, come on, this is turning into a bit of a difficult watch. But with this one, the story overall is not too bad. I didn't find it a drag. I just found that aspect of it a bit labouring. Yeah. You know, the whole yeah. maggot thing. But overall, pretty good. And the Doctor's very good. Yeah, yes. some great scenes, yeah. Uh, yes, right. So um, we pick up the story with uh, the Doctor and Joe um, outside the TARDIS with a great little scene, actually. Um, you know, when she's reading the paper and she's obviously quite perturbed about what she's read and the Doctor's banging on about, you know, <laughs> repairing this, you know, uh, his coordinate programmer, um, which is basically an old... <laughs> <laughs> you've got to love the props, haven't you, from... Classic here, which is basically an old scale electric scale thing with wires hanging out of it. He's banging on about going to um, Metabilis 3. She's banging on about going to South Wales to sort this out. And they're sort of talking over each other. They're not talking at each other. Um, and they sort of get off and, you know, they get up to go away. And she's like, well, what are you talking about? Or what are you talking about? And they have this really nice little... At this point in the story, they get on really well, don't they? Oh, they they were a great team. I you know, thought, yeah. There was... I don't know why Joe's wearing the Fifth Doctor's outfit, but uh, <laughs> they are a great team at this point. Yeah. Oh, the cricket jumper. Well, actually, I should say it's her outfit, and the Fifth Doctor's wearing it later on. Actually, That's... thinking about it, but yeah, yeah, it's a very reminiscent of his costume, isn't it? What she's got on yes. at the start of this. Yeah. But that is a lovely scene, yeah, because they, like you said, they're just almost like a couple in a way. They're just like you do chatting about each other's things, neither listening to each other you know as yeah. we do yeah do you know what it's it their their relationship reminds me of um one of those couples that you see that have been around for so long and they've been married for so long that mm. almost like the romantic side of thing isn't there that's gone it's just that companionship yeah do you know yeah. what i mean yeah um yeah and that, that i always think that with um the third doctor and joe um and it's not you know it's really um that really comes through in this episode like joe's final episode especially at the beginning at the very end so at the beginning they have this thing where they're so relaxed with each other you know and they're so they don't mind each other's company they're just chatting away like i said um and then at the end obviously which we'll come on to um, there's great affection yeah great affection between the two of them i think on and off screen yeah yeah um and one of the things that i did like actually is this opening scene and the way that the story gets going Mm-hmm. they get started it's not a typical um the tardis the, the, the tardis the tardis the tardis <laughs> it's not a typical the tardis has landed somewhere and it's like the doctor walks out of the tardis and then literally within three seconds he's like hmm something isn't right you know and they're off this is just like the doctor's got a plan he's going to um metabolis three that's it she joe's read the paper She's got a plan. She's going there. That's it. The brig walks in. He's miffed that the Doctor and Joe are not going to investigate this fellow with the green stuff over him. Yeah. Um, And they go their separate ways and that's it. And then we're off and then they meet up again. So that's a part of it I did really like. It was a slightly different start to an adventure. Yeah, and we get to to Metabilis 3 as well that we actually get to see it because it's been mentioned, I think, a couple of times up till now from what I remember. Uh, I think he's sort of, you know, the doctor's mentioned that he wants to go there. So he finally gets to go there. That's right. In this one. Yeah. And it's, uh, it doesn't turn out to be the paradise, 
planet that he was expecting it because he sort of steps out the toilet a bit like you do when you step off the plane on holidays like ah just soak in this blue sunsets you know take it all in and before he knows it he's it's got like a giant tentacle wrapped around him <laughs> and i bet you were laughing at his face i'd say he, what, he did the, he did the classic pertwee grimace of, with the cross that he eyes, does. yeah, yeah oh, i bet you were laughing i'll tell you something mate i i laughed so hard because <laughs> it was it was like a cartoon moment mm. i mean we're fast forwarding a little bit here but it's, it's near the beginning or it, we're yeah. not going too far forward but where he steps out of the TARDIS and he he looks around and it's almost like that cartoon sound effect of like the whip, like, you know, and his tentacles like wrapped around his neck and he's off. So, and then he's getting chased all over the place. <laughs> and he, by the time he gets back to the TARDIS, he's like covered in like grime and, his and jacket's dirt. jacket's ripped as well. And I was like, no, his lovely jacket is all ripped at the side. Oh, it's yeah. so funny because it's it's a real good visualization of like the you know you as a as the viewer i guarantee that so many people said to the tv or they said to the person they were watching it with i bet he wished he went to south wales now <laughs> yeah. with joe because as soon as he steps out of the tardis that's it he it just is gets almost his ass all over the place, doesn't he? Yeah, there's snakes and stuff. I don't know how we find time to pick up the the crystal, the blue yeah. crystal uh, along the way. Um, but yeah, he's like literally for the second he steps out, he's a uh, he's getting battered across yeah. the planet. I do. I will just say what we're talking about about Metabolus <laughs> Three. It, I think the actual um, it's a very simple effect you know just putting this filter on it. But I do think it looks visually quite nice. Um, obviously, it's just filmed in a quarry pit down in probably very close to the uh to the um mining station that they're in later on but but it does look quite good i think with the tardis you know on location and this blue filter and the sky and everything i thought mm. yeah i, I you yeah. know i could believe he'd gone to a another planet if you like yeah yeah that'd look pretty good yeah and um we go back to metabolus three don't we at the end of pertwee's run mm. uh yes we do yeah planet yeah. of the spiders the spiders with the very high voices. Yeah. Interestingly enough, we didn't see any spiders in the little clip where he's getting his bum kicked everywhere. It's just snakes and giant tentacles that come out of nowhere. I was just thinking that. Yeah, we don't, do we? No. no. Why? How? Just we must just say that. What? How did they get the name wrong in that? In it's in Hyde, isn't it? Where the in doctor? Hyde, yeah. What does he call it? Metabolis. Metabolis three. Yeah. Like, I, I can never understand. They go to all the effort of putting that little continuity in there and then they they go and get the name rock pronunciation wrong i could never understand how that that slipped through but anyway i remember twitter exploding <laughs> when he said metabolis so this is those things non-geeks would be just like totally like what uh, what yep. that and yep. everybody anybody who knows you know anybody that's you know, passionate about these things would just explode like i must have i don't think mike i exploded when i heard it but i remember just sitting there going what 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 was that and like rewinding it later on and just you know thinking oh dear yeah you know uh, epic fail sort of thing you know nice try but yeah well i like, had the, the, like the thought was there <laughs> yeah yeah well i had the um the obligatory eye roll from the missus at that point yeah when i was like what why what why why did he say it like that it's not right. John yeah. Pertwee didn't say it like that. Why did he say it like that? And she's just, oh, here we go. 
it's one like... of those tiny little details though that you think if you're gonna put it in there you might as well get it right you know or not or not bother absolutely i mean there is a little quirky thing isn't there if you every doctor's different and every doctor's got his own thing and you know yeah but you know this is important stuff absolutely this is not just you know the 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 location of the chip shop down the road <laughs> no or, it's not sid's calf no this is an important you know canon historical planet which is you know resulting in the uh the regeneration of one of the best doctors yeah yeah it shouldn't be just you know nonchalantly said flippantly willy-nilly incorrectly absolutely i'm 100 percent agree with you yes right yes what so we, we put that to bed. Yeah, yeah. What? So he comes back. They head down to Wales, Doctor, because <laughs> he's not really interested in this bloke that's been found with a glowing green neck to begin with. But then I think when he comes back from from Metabilius Three, he's just like, uh, "Oh, I may as well go and join him then and, and, and get stuck in." Thank goodness he does, because otherwise the world could be overrun by giant maggots and giant flies by now. If he hadn't have gone down there, that's very true. And it yeah. is, yeah, it is. It, you do wonder why. I mean, it sort of links together at the end, you know, the the blue crystal that he nabs from, that he that he thieves Somewhere, from. Yeah, you know, it does. You know, you can see why they've did it. Why they did it because at the end he needs it so he can get people out of sort of the trance that, you know, the sort of mind control they've been under. So you know, it, the story does link. But you do wonder why he's so desperate to go there. Yeah, I wondered that as well because he seems to think it's some sort of idyllic place and he really desperately wants to take joe there doesn't he? he's like you've got to see it because yeah, it kind of reminds me of when i took my sister down to port mary and i was like oh it's the most beautiful place you're gonna love it absolutely poured down a range couldn't wait to leave <laughs> it's just you know always the way yeah. yeah um but you would think that when the brig walks in um and uh he starts selling a doctor about a, a guy they found dead with like glowing green stuff you'd have thought the doctor would be all over that well you you'd know? have thought yeah but you know he's just nope Metabilis, I'm there. Nothing's going to stop me. That's it. The um, trunks are packed. I'm off. The trunks, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got me sombrero. <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, so that adventure is very short-lived, isn't it? Yeah. After the very funny. <laughs> I really want to watch that scene again, actually, <laughs> just to see it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It would have been. It might. It'd be great if you opened up some music. Oh, it just all goes wrong. It almost yeah. needs the Benny Hill music <laughs> in the background, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it. Actually, that would work incredibly well with that. Actually, yeah. Yeah. So it's funny. They try to be very serious with it. It's very mm-hmm. like um, you know the doctors landed in a very hostile, you know, dangerous place. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's just John Pertwee. I think. I think that's why um, he works just so amazingly as Wurzel Gummidge because even when he's trying to be emotional or sad or angry, his face is just, I don't know what it is. It's just, especially in his, any fight scene with John Pertwee or any scene where he's getting sort of roughed up or anything like that, it's just so funny. And it's not meant to be. Mm. It's meant to be like bang on serious. But I don't know. It's just how he comes across in his face. It's just so funny. 
And he, he, talking of fights, he does get to do some of his um, Venusian Aikido okay. in this one, doesn't he? Is that how you say it? Yeah, I mean... Venusian, Venusian Aikido. He does get to do a bit of that. Um, I think it's once he gets down to Wales, isn't he? He that's it, yeah. sort of uh, lets off a bit of steam <laughs> and does a bit of the old Venusian. Um, but, uh, yeah... <laughs> Uh, I did see. I did, that is one of the things I do love about Puris Doctor is he does get stuck in <laughs> to the action. <laughs> what are you laughing at him doing the Venetian Aikido? <laughs> Gary, listeners, Gary is gone. <laughs> no, it's um <laughs> when he gets down to South Wales, he lets off a burst. <laughs> well, at least, well, you would if you just returned from a disastrous holiday to Metabolia <laughs> You'd be pretty angry as well. You take, you know, you just take it out on the first person you meet who happens to be a security guard at a chemical plant. You know, so oh, yeah, crikey, yeah, he has to let off a bit of steam. Oh, yes. He does get to dress up though, actually, as well, because you know you were saying about him doing like Wheels of Gummage, and obviously he's well known for doing voices and characters, and in this one. Uh, it does does play into John Pertwee's hands quite a bit, doesn't it? Because he gets to dress up as a milkman <laughs> and then do a comedy voice, and he gets to dress up as a, a washerwoman and and do uh, yeah. some bit of um, bit of camp humour with Mike Yates. So this this does play into Pertwee's hands quite a bit. This episode, I think, it and does. For, for the better. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so the Venetian Aikido, ah, ah. yeah, hey, yeah. he's it, got hey. all that going on, yeah. That's it, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, he does. He does. Uh, he does hand out a few slaps, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Yes, he's yeah. not afraid to to get stuck in. Yeah, and it's not a stunt double at all. Ooh. <laughs> well, I think he's there for the standing up bit. No, is it? No, he is a stunt double. Absolutely, <laughs> I know it yeah, is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, the close-ups and when he's standing up, just doing like the moves. You know, the... it's because the hair changes as well, doesn't it? It's the wig <laughs> goes. Re- the stunt double's wigs much darker i think yeah it's quite noticeable yeah Yeah. it's probably terry walsh or somebody like that i should think yeah 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 um yeah so back to the opening scene i don't want to dwell on it too long because we've got quite a bit of story to get through Mm -hmm. um it's a great way to start the story i think yeah it does show that nice relationship between the joe and doctor which you need as it's joe's last story so you sort of you know need to see that but also i think it does show that joe's becoming independent that little scene at the start doesn't it because the doctor's a little bit taken aback that she doesn't want to go he's like really because she normally does sort of follow him around and you know i was gonna say like a puppy but that's that's a bit detrimental to joe because she's much better than that but you know what i mean Mm. normally she'd jump in there and be up for it but this time she's starting to become a bit independent you know and the doctor's a bit taken aback i think which obviously carries on throughout the story leading up to her departure so it's it's quite yes yeah, a nice little scene quite important little scene as well yeah yes i agree um and actually it's not the opening scene is it in the first episode because the opening scene is the um the the workers the mine workers who are protesting outside oh that's right i forgot about that yeah, yeah so it's not the actual because the opening scene is the guy in the mine who collapses with the glowing stuff over him and then we have the protesters mm. outside uh, global chemicals yeah um, and we first meet um, our very label uh, <laughs> um, chemicals. Yes, uh, um, we we meet uh, Professor Jones, don't we? The environmentalist guy who ends up uh, 
basically telling Joe that they get married. Now you said, yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, well, we get married, aren't we? Are we? Is it? Well, it's yeah. a bit of a sudden. I can say. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I do love the way their relationship progresses in this because I do find it believable. I thought, yeah, Joe could quite. I can see Joe falling for somebody like that. Mm-hmm. You know, he's. I could see why she's interested in him. So I do buy into their relationship totally. And I, and I think it's a real nice send off for Joe. But then that bit at the end just slightly ruins it for me when it's like, and get married. And because it's two, they've only known each other three days. Well, this was the 70s, mate. Yes. And that's what you did back then. True. Especially down in the valleys. If you found a, a nice lady, then you, may, you were honest immediately. You've done this dating lark, none of this courting. Yeah. You just got on with it. Fair enough. It's the early seventies, mate. It does make for does make for a nice moment. I'll give it that. And it it's does. as I said, I do I do believe I do believe in it. Unlike some, you know, some of the companions, their leaving scenes aren't always the best. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, but I do, yeah, I do buy it. I buy into it. I think sh- she would do that. She would go off with him and travel. Yeah. So I totally get it. What, so, what was that um, story that we reviewed fairly recently, where the companion just didn't show up at the end? Oh, that's uh, um, that's one of my favourite stories for the first Doctor. Actually, it's the time my favourite story, and I can't remember the name of it. Um, the War Machines. The War Machines. That's it. It's Dodo, isn't it? Dodo. Yeah. She... Like, where's Dodo? Oh, she's she said to say goodbye. She's yeah. she's not coming. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay then. Bye. Yes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's uh, the the War Machines. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, at least at least Joe gets a good send off, I think, because she's uh, she's one of the companions that I would rate one of my favorites i really like joe grant she's cool she's cool katie yeah. manning yeah so i'm glad she gets a good set i'm glad she doesn't like get killed off or or you know like some of them just there's no build up and she just leaves or um what is it it's a what's one of the ones with romana the second romana her leaving thing oh it's um, just a um oh no no actually no i always get these mixed up yeah there's that well her leaving things a bit random as well but but also um leela just suddenly decides she's fallen in love in whichever episode it is i forget now and it's just dreadful and you know you just sort of think well that what leela wouldn't fall in love with that guy <laughs> what's going on you know it's just so at least i believe in this this exit for a companion yeah yeah and it's yeah you're right there have been some um hill uh, myths <laughs> Uh, some uh, some not great um, departures. Yeah. This one's not too bad. No, it's a good one, I think. Yeah, it's not too bad. Um, let's let's go forward then to that scene where um, she first meets uh, Professor Jones. Clifford Jones. Um, and she just turns up and trashes the place, basically, doesn't she? And, <laughs> yeah. You know, she gets on his nerves a bit. And uh, yeah, you're right. It's a good way for them to start because they don't admit it's not that um, they sort of clap eyes on each other and they fall in love and that soppy mm. stuff. They actually, you know, they don't really like each other, do they, to begin with? They're a bit irritated by um, each other's uh, uh, company for a few minutes. But then they sort of break the ice a bit. He sort of tells a little joke, doesn't he? And. Mm. Um, and then they're they're into it, but it's a pretty good scene actually. It's a good way to get them to to get them going, if you like. Um, yeah, because she's she's sort of interested in what he's doing. I think is what starts it. Because like you said initially, yeah, she probably annoys him a little bit, 
Um, but yeah, it's quite nice because she's sort of quite fascinated by him. Like you said, it's not rather than clapping eyes on each other and being like, oh, you know, love at first sight. She's just sort of into his personality and she likes this sort of hippie type character, doesn't she? So, mm, yeah. which I think Joe would. Yeah. Yes. Um, and he's, yeah, he's, uh, he's an interesting character because he's not like, because at the very beginning, he's the one that mouths off a bit, isn't he? To the, to the boss who's speaking at the, to the other protesters. And he's yeah. trying to drive his point home that, you know, they're all just being used you know, with cheap labor and stuff. And, um, yeah. And he, it, it's cool that his character holds on to that throughout the entire story. Cause mm. re- even right up until the end, um, he doesn't waver, does he, you know, he's still, no. you know, he's got that sort of strong minded. And I think that's one of the things that Joe likes about him. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's probably cause at this point, um, Katie Manning and Stuart Bevan, Mm-hmm. Uh, were actually a couple in real life, weren't they? That's right. Uh, yeah. So I don't know if that made it easier or more difficult to actually, you know, um, be partners on screen. Uh, I think he wasn't, he wasn't like the, you know, they didn't give him the job just because he was Kate's partner. I think that he had to, I think basically they, from what I understand from the making of, they struggled to find somebody right for the part. Right. Yeah. And then basically she said, well, look, why don't you, to Stuart, why don't you go along? Cause they can't find anyone. And they thought, yeah, he's got the right look and stuff. And, um, I mean, we may as well talk about Stuart while we're, while we're on this bit. I, I actually think he gives a really nice performance. I know his acts is Welsh, Welsh <laughs> accent is, uh, is a bit hit or miss. It's it can be at times. Yeah. Yeah. It can yeah. be a little, especially when we first meet him, it's a little bit distracting, I think, cause it does sound a bit put on at times. Um, but I th- do think he's a nice character and I, I, I think Stuart Bevan gives quite a good little performance in it actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know whether that's because him and Katie were, you know, t- together in real life off screen that, that, that sort of closeness comes through on screen or, or what, but I think they, yeah, I like, I like the scenes of them two together. I sort of really like them as a couple, mm-hmm. you know, I think they're really sort of sweet together if you like for one of a better word, but yeah, but I, I like him in this. I like Stuart Bevan. Yeah, I mean, I think Doctor Who, in terms of TV, was the biggest thing that he did. Yeah. In terms of TV, I think he had little roles in some other... He was in Blake 7, mate. He, yes, he was, and um, which I don't know which episode it was, because I, oh, I just love Blake 7. Um, but I can't remember him in it, but he probably looked different. I don't remember. He's probably like got short hair or something. Hmm. Uh, but uh, but yes, he, I think he did a few little bits around around then. Yeah. yeah. But his acting's not too bad, is it? I mean, that's what I mean. His the accent is a bit distracting for a while, but once you get used to it, I think his acting's pretty good. You know, he's not sort of too too wooden or too hmm. too comical because uh, there is there is somebody in this which we'll get onto when we speak about the rest of the cast too. I think is a bit uh, silly and over the top. You know, and and it's very typical of sort of like this era when we used to get people like that, that just you sort of get actors that are sort of down the line and quite believable and suit it. And then you get people who seem to come in and just you can just tell they're acting and they're just a bit over the top. So, yeah, but I think he's yeah. good. I think he's quite, quite decent in his performance. Stuart Bevan. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and then we have some. Uh, so as we get sort of further into the story, we've seen um, the maggots. You know, we get to see the maggots fairly early on, I would say. Uh, also, we get the brig turn up, don't we? Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's not forget the brig. Oh, brig. Yes. He turns up again and he's obviously still um, running unit. Um, he considers the doctor and Joe employees of unit. 
still wants them on the mission. They tell him to bugger off. Um, but then Joe says, <laughs> yeah, okay, you know, I'm, I'm in sort of thing. Give me a lift. Um, so uh, the brig is involved all the way through. So he gets down to South Wales in his very nice white convertible sports car and yeah. drives it into the middle of the muddiest field. <laughs> so you can imagine that his car would have been, you know, just wrecked. Yeah. full of mud and horribleness um so unit involved um we have um a few scenes with uh uh your good friend um john levine john levine yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah so if we fast forward a little bit so the brig's there um and he's trying to sort of unravel the situation at global chemicals isn't he hmm. you know he's very much uh, sort of investigator for the first two or three episodes, I would say. Um, he's trying to find out what's going on. And the guy um, that's, uh, that, that's running the place, or well, to publicly face in is running the place, um, is very standoffish and very, um, what would you say? Is this Stevens? Stevens. You're talking about, yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, he's shifty. I think I was. <laughs> he's crafty, isn't he? He's a bit, bit crafty. Yeah, yeah, he's a bit shifty. He's got a shifty eyes. Mm. I think what I love about the brig in this, though, because I think Nicholas Corton is really good in this episode, but he, he doesn't necessarily get a lot to do. But he's like this sort of um, he's he's sort of in the background. He's I think he's quite strong in the scenes he's in because he's very um, uh, he's like a presence all the way through the episode. So even though even when he's not in in scenes, you sort of get the feeling that the brig's there investigating it if you know what i mean yeah. I, I quite yeah. liked his performance like he's really sort of strong and and hitting the, the you know the nail on the head when he's actually on screen mm-hmm. um but he doesn't sort of he doesn't sort of get to do an awful lot in terms of what we've seen the brig doing previously like you know there's no sort of scenes of him running around shooting and you know he just seems to be controlling everything from behind the scenes which i quite like actually rather than sort of seeing him running out shooting maggots and stuff he's like their coordinating unit which is what the brigadier you know should should be doing if you know what i mean he's sort of talking to the prime minister and yeah he just seems to be in the background a little bit more in this but it does work quite well i think mm. you know no, and I, you, yeah. you get i'll tell you what i do love about this as well you get to see like um the unit team have become quite a family with the doctor and joe by this point haven't they you know like so there's a real closeness to unit and the doctor and like you said earlier about the brig getting annoyed that the doctor wasn't interested initially in this. And there was a time when the brig would be trying to keep him, keep your nose out, like leave it to unit. And by this point he wants the doctor, he very much wants the doctor involved. Mm-hmm. So that's quite a nice progression. But I love the scenes later on when the, the doctor and the brig and Joe and that are all just getting lashed up on the <laughs> wine. And there's, a, you know, there's a great scene where they're just all relaxing and you sort of see how the, you know, the unit and the doctor and uh, have become quite a sort of, tight-knit family which i thought was really nice yeah no it was good so yeah i like i like love i mean we i know we always say we like nicholas courtney but there was a story was it battlefield where we said he didn't quite was it Battlefield? it was battlefield yeah yep he didn't, didn't quite hit the mark right yeah. yeah um whereas in this one i think he really does he just feels like he's he's in the background holding it all together mm-hmm. mm. it feels like classic classic brig yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and we also get a um, a little nice little instruction, don't we? Ten instead of five rounds rapid, it's ten rounds rapid. Ten, yeah. so he's upgrading. <laughs> I, I noticed that. Yeah, yeah, ten rounds rapid doesn't quite have as much uh, 
It's not quite as much as a famous line as from the demons, is it? It no, it almost feels like it didn't. Yeah, the like delivery. Thought, yeah, like yeah, it isn't quite there. But anyway, because the, it hasn't got the chat with wings. It's like I don't know how it would have been like uh, the slug with slimy old maggot. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But no, he's 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 great, isn't he? In this, yeah, Nicholas I do Courtney think he's is, good yeah. in it. Yeah, very good. Yeah, he's cool. Um, so the story, um, kind of, as you know, it's very typical with who. Um, the story sort of splits off between Doctor doing stuff and Companion doing stuff. So mm. we have Joe sort of trapped, don't we? Um, mind, a bit yeah. further on, she's trapped um, with the miner um, and the Doctor's uh, uh, on his way um, to see what's going on. And um, and like you say, uh, the brig is kind of in the background trying to sort it all out. Um, and then that's kind of the... That's sort of the path of the course, really, because um, the first half of the story is about the Doctor. Uh, well, it's it's, it, it's about, you know, trying to, un, you know, investigate what is going on with global chemicals mm-hmm. and what's happening, why these people are, you know, dying in the mines with the green stuff. Um, so that's sort of always there. Um, but the, the first half, really, is the Doctor trying to save Joe, isn't it? Because she's down in the mines. The lift has yeah. broken. Um, and she's with that guy. And so she's trying to get out the Doctor and the brig and some other people they're trying to no the brig's in with global chemicals interrogating the the stevens guy but the doctor's trying to rescue her and so on um and then it sort of transitions over doesn't it so in the second half um we have the situation where uh joe is sort of teamed up um with uh with professor jones they sort of teamed up haven't they and they're going to try and you know they're investigating what's going on with the the fungus and the the slugs and all the rest of it um and the doctors uh, now sort of working with unit i would say you know trying to figure out how to kill said slugs that's it and we've got so, um yates is undercover isn't he working in the chemical factory yes. sort of feeding him bits of information and stuff i did have to laugh at that phone call <laughs> they make where he's like so blatantly obvious you know, chatting to the doctors and he's going, yes, sir, they've got a lot of security with the guy sort of right over his shoulder and he's just giving him all this information but trying to be subtle as a sledgehammer while doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay then, dear, get the tea on, bye. And the doctor's like, what? Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's quite cool, I thought. Um, What, having Yates as undercover? Yeah, because you rarely see that. No, it was a bit of a surprise, actually, because it's one of the elements of the story I'd forgotten about, is when he walks in, he's like, uh, may I introduce you to Mr. Yates, who's working for us? Like, what's Yates doing there? I thought he'd turn traitor again. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, no, it's a bit it's a bit strange. It does work quite well, though, I think, in the story. It does work if, pretty good. Yeah. Well, it would if, if Yates wasn't such a wet lettuce in it. Yes. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah. A wet lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's quite cool. Um, and that's what I said originally. Uh, overall, I think the story. I think it's a, it's a good watch. It's okay because there are things like this which make it slightly different to what we've seen before or that we'll see in a while. Mm. Um, so things like the way the story gets going, um, Yates going undercover, um, Joe sort of off doing her own thing and finally going, um, and uh, the Doctor going off to um, Metabelius and quickly realizing that it's not you know butlins after all and he's he's back <laughs> um so there are things like that they're good components in the story yeah there are good stuff um which leads on to 
um, sort of the bad guys, I would say, the villains of the story. So before we get on to the boss, mm. um, we have um, the guy that's uh, – he's like the monkey, isn't he? Which one, Mister? Because there's a couple, Mister Stevens. Stevens, because he is, but he's got he's gone and got himself a pair of those new iPhone headphones, which <laughs> look great. He's got a pair of Beats. Yeah, <laughs> got the biggest. Yeah. Um, but I would say that he's like up up until um, what is it, episode four, the end of episode four, at least. We don't know about the the crazy the ma- maniacal computer, do we? No, we, no, it comes in much later. Yeah, 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 four or five. I can't remember now. Yeah, yeah. We just assume it's Stevens, and there are two mm. guys that are working with him, but they haven't been, um, they haven't gone under the brainwashing thing yet, have they? No. So they're they acting haven't put on, the headphones on exactly. Mm. So they're acting on his instruction, but they're not like sort of inherently bad people. You know, they know that this isn't like, you know, uh, the right thing that they're doing with all these miners and all that sort of stuff. They know that, but they're still not intentionally wanting to cause anyone any harm because one of the guys who works with him i can't remember his name now the guy with the glasses is it fell it could be oh yeah. no elgin the guy with the glasses elgin, elgin. yes sir. from he, uh coronation um from crossroads all right yeah he <laughs> he knows that he really tries to help um joe and the miner who are stuck down in the yeah. mine but he you know he gets told to leave him what happens to him does he get killed or does he just not? Because I've just suddenly realized, I only watched this in the last few days and I've completely forgotten. Does He doesn't just disappear, does he? Because I can't actually remember what. He seems quite prominent in the sort of first half of the story, but he seems to vanish halfway through and I can't actually remember what happens to him. Yeah. Um, does he get killed? I don't know. Something does I happen. S- I don't think he gets killed. I seem to remember him being hypnotised, but I don't know now. Cause Strange, because I've only just watched yeah. it, but I just suddenly realised he seems to disappear from the story sort of, I don't know, about three quarters of the way in. Yeah, he, he does. He probably gets killed, because Fell jumps from the roof and commits suicide, doesn't he? Yes. And yep. Elgin seems to be flying around. Yeah, that's strange. And I've only just watched it, but I can't remember what, yeah, what well, goes on with him. There is a scene, isn't there, where Elgin... Um, has a conversation with Fell and says, you know, something isn't right. Mm. You know, we need to help out um, uh, Joe and the doctor basically is something, you know, but then Stevens, you know, he does something to Fell, doesn't he? And he jumps off the balcony. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then after that, I don't think we see Elgin again. I'm, I'm sure he doesn't, I'm pretty sure he's not murdered in any way. Well, that's what I'm trying to think. So I don't remember him being killed off, but I just can't remember him. He just seems to disappear from the story. Um, yeah, don't know. I'll have to pay more attention next time. I'm sure he does get an exit, but I just can't remember what it is. Um, because he's quite he seems to be in the background quite a lot in the first few episodes, sort of trying to. He's kind of like the good guy, isn't he? Saying yeah, to yeah. saying to Stevens, you know, what you're doing is wrong, this has got to stop, you know, uh, and, and all that. But obviously, Stevens is under mind control, so he's having none of it. Um, but there is a good scene actually, you know, he's talking about when when Fell commits suicide mm. and. This is what I like. We've got Stevens, who's at the moment the bad guy, mm-hmm. potentially, because we haven't really met the boss computer yet. So we're assuming Stevens is just this megalomaniac. But actually, <laughs> he's not, is he? He's quite—he's a bit more rounded character than just the standard villain, because he he has quite a lot of regret when Fell dies. He sort of says, doesn't he? Did there was no need, mm-hmm. no need for that. 
And so I like that. I like the fact they've given him a bit of a compassionate side, you know, still the human feeling coming through, even under the control of recognising, you know, didn't need to kill him or whatever. So I thought that was quite good. Just made it a bit more interesting rather than having just a out and out baddie that doesn't care, blah, 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 you know. <laughs> so I, I quite liked Stevens. I thought the actor was quite good. I thought he's got that look. As I said, he's very shifty. Yeah. So he's well, well cast, I thought. And I thought he gives a good performance. Yeah. Yeah. In the very beginning, the opening scene where he stands up on the truck and he he addresses all the, the workers, you, you do fall for it a little bit. You think that he's playing mm-hmm. Mr. Good Guy. Yeah, um, but then that's you know, and he plays that very well. Then it quickly gets sort of dissolved into no, you're a baddie. Yeah, you're a baddie. But that's because he's just been brainwashed, hasn't he? And he's under some sort of mind control from the boss. Mm. It's quite a nice actually at the end where you just see when he kind of flips <laughs> and get and turns good. He lets off and some he steam. Just, he lets off a bit of steam <laughs> and wrecks all the computer equipment, and you just see that little tear rolling down his eyes so you almost feel sorry for stevens by the end of it yeah yeah so that's a, quite good he has a kylo ren moment yeah <laughs> he just destroys you know the, the machine uh, the console doesn't he and, that's it. and well the console nearly rolls across the floor <laughs> when he steps on it but yeah <laughs> but that is quite touching though at the end with the little tear yeah well i just face. like that it's just because it's the sort of thing it's just a nice bit of writing rather than because it didn't need to be there and it's the sort of thing that probably could quite easily get yeah. overlooked you know so it's again it's just giving the character a bit more depth which which is one of the things that classic who is good at these little these little moments so yeah i like that bit yeah mm. um which actually is one of the advantages to having multiple episodes per story mm. is that you do have the time to invest in the character progression you know you do get that time to sort of buy into their um their motives or their reasons for doing stuff because Although the you know newer Doctor Who, um, you know, don't get me wrong, I it, it's great that it's all in one episode. You know, it makes for a bit more of a fast-moving, you know, action-packed stuff. Um, um, this is going to be, you know, I can't actually think of the episodes off the top of my head now. And even though I'm going to say it, there have been episodes where you think, oh, you know, it would have been nice to have spent a bit more time you know, on these characters because I didn't feel for them because I wasn't emotionally connected because mm. they just came on and did this and that was that. And you couldn't buy into it because there wasn't enough time. Yeah. So in, in terms of, you know, feeling for the characters and, and buying into their situation, Classic Who definitely is a, you know, there's a bigger pool for that stuff mm. because there's more time. Yeah, you know, exactly, Simple yeah. maths really, isn't it? Um, but yeah, Stevens. He bites the dust quite dramatically. He does. He, he sacrifices himself for the greater good. Yes. It all comes <laughs> good in the end. Yeah. Um, right. Shall we talk about the boss? Yeah, let's talk about the boss because this is um, this is interesting. I don't know if you agree with this, but I kind of feel it almost didn't need to have the boss in it because I'm quite... I quite like this idea that, you know, they're pumping chemicals into the earth, which create this monster that's going to sort of pollute the, you know, take over and stuff. Mm-hmm. I kind of get all that. But then we suddenly have to get introduced, I think you said in episode four, which I think is right, get introduced to this sort of supercomputer that's actually behind it all and running it all. Um, and I kind of felt, I suppose they thought they'd got to bring the science fiction element into it, maybe, rather than just having it down to sort of, you know, a natural cause. Um I don't know. I just kind of felt like I didn't almost didn't need it 
uh, it's quite fun though. I mean, I actually find the computer quite funny because uh, it's very typical of the 70s pompous, sarcastic computer that we got back then. And I always find it fun to watch. Um, so I'm kind of glad it's there, but I don't know if we really even needed that element to story. Could have just had it that it was a, you know, the, the nuclear plant had done all this by mistake and they'd got to stop it, if you know what I mean. Didn't really need the big computer behind it orchestrating it, I didn't think. But but it does make it more fun, I suppose. It gives it another, keeps the story going for the rest of the remaining episodes, I suppose, in that sense. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a, um, <clears throat> it's definitely a, uh, I wouldn't say a twist because we hear his voice, don't we? Before we yes, actually, quite a lot, yeah. Yeah, so before Stevens. the... Yeah, so it's kind of, it's kind of interesting in that way that we know quite early on that someone else is pulling the strings, you know, someone else is, mm. you know, the organ grinder, should I say? Is that the right way around? Yeah. Yeah, Stephen. he's not the monkey, he's the organ grinder. Yeah. yeah. So we know fairly early on that that's the case. And you assume it's just some maniacal, evil, um, sort of Bond villain type person up on the top floor, sort of stroking a cat. Yeah. You assume <laughs> it's that kind of, you know, higher you know, person who's a lot more evil than Stevens, you know, who's up to this. But when we actually see it's a computer, it does... It is a little bit, well, it's not really, yeah, like you say, it's not essential to the story. But I kind of, like you said, I suppose it does, it gives it an extra element. So it's, yeah, you're probably right. It is good that it's there because it does carry the story on a bit more. Make, like you said, if I suppose if it had just been Stevens behind it or someone else, it could have could have died off after episode four. So yeah, it probably does need it. Maybe I'll take that back. But I was just thinking you've got quite a good sort of story going on there with the mutant maggots without adding in this big computer. Because I wasn't sure where the computer had come from in the first place uh, to begin with. Like I'm like, well, where, where's this, where has this computer come from? Hmm. You know, but I guess, um, yeah. Uh, what, what do you think of it visually though? Like this big red it's almost like a, what do you call it, a sound wave, isn't it, on a big red screen? Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. I mean... It's simple, but quite effective, I thought. Yeah, I mean, it's quite cool. I mean, in a way, they could have just done... They could have... It could have been some alien from another planet. Mm. You know, we could have had a visitation thing going on. I'm, gl- I'm glad they didn't do that, though. Yeah, that's what I mean. So they could have done that, but it was quite cool mm. they did something else. Um, We've got lots of spinning wheels like we used to get yeah. in the seven. I love all that. The you know, reel they do absolutely reel. Yep. nothing real to real futuristic back then, but now. <laughs> but I, lo- I do love it though. Do love all that. Yeah. I think most of the sets from um, is it from UFO or something? It's all borrowed from another program, isn't it? Yes. Because it looks quite yeah. familiar anyway. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's got that typical turquoisey and beige color, and <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> um, lots of lights that do absolutely nothing. Yes, yeah. the blinking lights and the little so a, a lot of um that sort of seventies, early eighties sci-fi. You, they typically have um like pieces of paper being printed out. Yeah. Like receipts that you get out of a cash machine, an ATM. <laughs> it's like, and they do nothing either, do they? It's you know, what is it? What what's that stuff? <laughs> Yeah, um, but it sort of looks wise. It's pretty cool. Um, I can't. I can't imagine that they were able to do much with that stuff back then. This is probably the best that they could get away with. Yeah, so it's, probably, yeah. It's fairly simple. It's just a giant round screen, isn't it, with a wave form as he talks, which is what you'd expect from that time. But it, it's the voice more than anything that that I can't get my head into because. I accept it. Don't get me wrong. I accept it because it's meant to be like um, it's meant like a self-sufficient, self-thinking 
sort of computer with a personality, isn't it? So I, mm-hmm. I get it. But, you know, it, the, it's singing at one point. It's like humming, did, isn't it? Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because I didn't get that. And again, I, I thought perhaps I'd missed something. But yeah, I didn't get in episode six, the last episode, it, it suddenly, suddenly starts singing lots of classical music. Bum, 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 bum. It's really yeah. going for it. And I didn't quite understand why. Yeah. I thought there might be a reason, but be all the same. You didn't get it either. Well, I think it's just trying to hammer home the fact that it's got a personality. Right. Okay. And it's meant to sort of humanise it a little bit. Because that started to annoy me. I'd quite liked him up until that point. I thought yes. I quite liked this pompous, annoying computer in episode five. But yeah, when he started doing all the singing and he said Stevens for about the millionth time, I started to get a bit annoyed with him and I was quite looking forward to him blowing up to be mm. honest <laughs> yeah. yeah and he does um yeah so i think you know the story could have got away without it being there quite easily it could have just been mm. stevens all along yeah um but you know and it was it, it was okay up to a point but when it starts singing and humming and classical music and stuff it, it sort of yeah, takes I away think... the not the seriousness i guess but it takes away the the menacing Threat. threatening yeah. aspect of it yeah because you just think yeah. oh it's just a flipping computer that's humming long to you um, almost want to unplug it don't you bump bump but just switch it off at the plug well that's the thing you know <laughs> back in the day they didn't have like nuclear reactors powering things you know like they have in superhero movies they could have literally just you know <laughs> unplugged it. it from the world <laughs> <laughs> he probably would have made that high pitch sound every time he probably wouldn't let you get near the plug <laughs> yeah that was one thing my half said it was like, what is that sound it's like because it was really loud at one point isn't it mm-hmm. the hypnotizing yep. beam sound whatever it is mm-hmm. it was a bit high pitched yeah <laughs> Um, so that's probably what happened. If you saw saw your hand going for the plug, yeah, probably switch yep. that on. Yeah. Yep. Um, what do you think about units in this story? <sighs> there, I thought they were a bit too comedic in this for me. Yes. Yeah, I would agree with that because I found Yates quite annoying. To be honest, um, I found our old mate Benton. Well, he was all right. I mean, John Levine always puts gusto into his performance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's always. You could tell he's always trying to you know, be uh, energetic, which is good. Um, but yeah, it was a bit too comedic. I mean, when he's like throwing out the food at the end and going, uh, what's he saying? Come here, on. Here, yeah. Come and get your food. And the doctor's, yeah, not impressed. And yeah, they were a bit comedic. I agree. N- not the best unit story. Yeah. Um, which brig- is a shame because the brig's so strong and so orchestrated. It's a shame actually that you haven't got them a bit more in force. Um, when they're trying to kill off the maggots. Yeah. Yeah. The, the thing that I found, um, well, the, the, the thing that I took away from this story is that unlike other unit stories, which were very good, where it feels like it's um, a very much a joint effort with the brig running a very strong team. Mm. In this one, it felt like the brig was a school teacher and that he was taking like a bunch of kids on a field trip. Um, and he was, you know, having to sort of manage a class of students rather than, you know, a highly trained, yeah, um, you know, uh, platoon of soldiers. Yeah, I, I would probably agree with that. I don't think they're, I don't think it's the strongest story for, for Unit. Mm. Yeah, which it could have been with the threat and everything. But yeah, I, I would agree. I think it is more the fact the comedy element, doesn't it? Just takes away their sort of power a little bit. Um, I mean... Shall we talk about Yates? Because he is... 
Yeah. Which, uh, Richard Franklin. I mean, mm. he's giving a sort of almost, like you said, almost borderline comedic mm-hmm. performance. Um, and he just, yeah, when he's doing his fight scenes and stuff, I just don't feel he was really giving it. I don't feel like he's taking it seriously, to be honest. I almost feel like he came in that day. He did that scene with John Pertwee dressed as a washerwoman. They all had a barrel of laughs about it. <laughs> and from that moment on, he just kind of came, you know, wasn't in the zone. I just, yeah, I just didn't, I didn't really like Yates in this story. Um, in that fact, because I mean, he's got quite a good, normally Yates is just in the background with Levine doing what they do. But in this, he's given something to do. And I think he should have, grabbed it a bit more mm-hmm. you know he's got to be the undercover unit agent in this yeah. big in this big thing so i don't i didn't yeah i didn't really think yates was that great in this story um if anything i preferred benton because he was at least throwing stuff around and doing things actually doing and being yeah. a unit soldier whereas yates was just pushing people into lifts with about as much force as a an old granny yeah, true. <laughs> you know um okay well, that's cool so yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you on Yates. He's had, he's absolutely had stronger um, performances in other stories, but and I did have yeah. to laugh when the brig pats him on the back at the end and says, <laughs> "Better luck next time, Yates or something," because obviously there was a mild love interest yeah. between yeah. Yates and uh, Katie and, and Joe Grant, wasn't there? Which so yeah. he's like, he's lost out to to Clifford Jones. His little face yeah. is crushed in it at the end for that split yeah. second before he says, "Congratulate," you know, he's just. It's a nice, nice thing in the brig to do, but it did, it just made me laugh. I was like, yeah. as if the one yeah. that got away. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, in a slight sort of change of of process for us, we've actually talked about um, the characters as we've gone through. So yeah, um, let's yeah. finish up with um, let's finish up with Joe then before we get on to the Doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, that final scene um, where she gets told that they're getting married. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all come in and congratulate. It's, it's um, you kind of know, don't you, at that point that where it's just her and uh, and Clifford Jones together, and you know that from that point on, you already know that she's off. Yeah, because you can yeah. see that you know they've they've fallen for each other, haven't they? You can see that she's found, you know, the one sort of thing. Yes, um, and you know it's coming as well, don't you? you uh, I th- I think I when I the first time I watched it I remember thinking she's gone. Yeah, I so, like how we build up to it though because you do know it's coming. Yeah, you think yeah. oh this they they've bonded she's off she's yeah she's she's found her man. Um, but yeah, I like the <laughs> fact is their relationship progresses mm-hmm. through the episode, um, and builds up to her going off with him. Mm. yeah it's cool and uh, i think they work quite well together i mean maybe that had something to do with the fact that they were a couple mm. you know but they definitely work especially towards the end um maybe he was hoping that it would turn into a real life proposal as well maybe mm. um i'm not sure but it's definitely i mean that last scene i mean how how do you feel about the doctor just sort of slipping away quietly at the end he doesn't make a big hoo-ha does he, he just necks his his glass of champers and he's off i i i absolutely love the last scene i i mean i I just watched it this morning um i love it i absolutely i just can't say it enough i just find it a beautifully directed written 
performed scene. Uh, you know, the Joe and her, uh, the Joe and Cliff are together. They're having a send off with the unit guys. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said, I love the fact that we've got to know this, the unit characters are, and, and so well at this point. Um, and the doctor, we've got to, he's thing is, it's no shock to doctor. He's noticed straight away that there's an attraction between the two. Mm-hmm. And there are some really nice scenes over the course of the story where he picks up on it, isn't it? There's like, there's one bit where um, they're sort of about to kiss, when the doctor walks yeah. in and he takes takes him off, doesn't he? He tries to take him away because he knows what's happening. Mm-hmm. And it's a bit, yeah, you almost feel sorry for poor her face when um, she thinks she's going to have a night of passion, I think. And the doctor scuppers it, doesn't he? Let's go and have a look at these fungus specimens. And it's like, <laughs> you know, her little face as, as Joe's, as uh, Cliff's taken away from her. Um, but you do get to see the doctor picking up on the fact that they have become close and he knows mm-hmm. it's going to happen just like we do. Um, I think it's great. I, I like the fact he there is. It's really sad when Joe he leaves and Joe just turns around and, and acknowledges that he's quietly slipped off. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's quite sad. And then I don't know. I, I just think it's really nice because it's given room to breathe. Like we we get the Doctor having a slow walk up to Bessie. We get a nice close up of John's face mm-hmm. reflecting on it thinking I, th- I don't know what you know you can only imagine what the doctor's thinking is he thinking should i go back in yeah, no yeah. i'm gonna no yeah. it's best i leave and it's just a really lovely i i almost feel that's you know you get to see the doctor and john pertwee in that little shot of his face he probably sat there thinking because he, he got on so well with, with katie manning didn't he i think he probably did he probably just channeled everything just for that shot of him yeah, yeah. contemplating before thinking right Onwards and upwards, she's gone. That's it. Yeah, I, I think it's a. I love it. I think it's a beautiful send off. I think it's one of the nicest ways that we've seen a companion go because mm. it's not. She's not broken down into a, a, you know, a huge puddle of tears and, you know, because she's been told she has to go or for whatever reason she can't go with the doctor. She hasn't been killed. She hasn't been, you know, any of that stuff. She's just found someone. She's happy. Um, and you you could view it as sad. It is quite sad because you see the doctor's little face. <laughs> yeah, you know, and you see Joe's little face. Yeah, yeah. And, and he does it again, doesn't he? Sort of when he gets out and he he gets into Bessie, he has another final look across. Yeah. And you do think, you know, is he going to get out? Is he going to go back and you know say something or join the party or whatever? But no, he just he drives off, and that's it, isn't it? The credits roll and. But it's a lovely last shot, isn't it, he of Bessie off. going across the the sunset? Yeah, great. So I mean, it could be it. It's done well because that could be cheesy. You know, what I mean, it could be they could have hammed it up a bit more, and I don't think they do. I think they play it really straight, and you know, I I, th- I find it quite effective. I, you know, I wouldn't say I was sat there bawling my eyes out, but I certainly choked up because I think because they're such a good team, mm-hmm. the Doctor and Joe, they are such a good team in my opinion that um that it is sad to think they've come to an end yeah so it's I, yeah I, I can't fault it i think it's, i think this story perhaps that's why i regard it more highly than than some is because i just really like like the the ending yeah yeah the send-off yeah yes um and the doctor himself Mr. The doctor, great in yeah. this yep he is good in it isn't mm-hmm. he yeah all the way through i mean he's, he's so comfortable in the role at this point um and you know the show's going under changes. We're getting into what series was this? We're, we're getting ten. So is the next series his last? It must be because it will be. Yeah. 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 So he's getting towards the end. Yeah. So it's um 
I, as I say, so comfortable in the role. He obviously knew Kate was leaving and a lot of changes going on with with him, him you know, off screen in terms of what's going on behind the scenes in the show. Pert was great in it, I thought. His act is superb. He throws himself into the action. Yep. He looks great throughout. He's got his cape going on. Uh, the bit where he uses his cape to bring down, down the giant mutated fly, <laughs> I thought was superb. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know what you thought of the fly, but uh, it was. <laughs> I did. <laughs> it was it, what it. You know, it's it's of the time. It's of the time. Yes. Yeah, but you, I, I can't fault John Pertwee in this in terms of his performance. I, I find him engaging when he's on screen. He's charismatic. He's humorous. He's serious. He does the silly voices. I mean, he kind of gets everything in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, he get and he plays the end scene brilliantly. So for me, he's fantastic in it. Yeah. yeah, he's um really good, and when he the he gets the Welsh accent, very good, very well. Mm-hmm. Sorry, when he's dressed up as the milkman, yes, um, and when he's dressed up as the cleaning lady, um, you know, really funny. So, like you said, a lot for him to do, and he probably loved when he got the script for this. He probably thought, yes, mm. there's loads for me to do in this one. Um, but yeah, he's just great overall. You can't fault him in this one. Uh, so yeah, he has a good fight scene. He gets to dress up. He has his grimace, cross-eyed face going on. There's yeah. a couple of bits of humour, you know, and it's sort of all culminates with that very poignant scene at the end where he's off on his own. Um, so it's just great. It's great to watch him in every episode in this one. He seems so comfortable, doesn't he, in oh, the role? Yeah. You know, it's like when he's even when he's like saying to the brigadier about in the last episode, you know, the guard, the guard at the factory mm-hmm. saying, "No one's coming in. You're not coming in." And, uh, the, you know, Pertwee turns to the brig and it's like, you know, if I'm not back in five minutes, don't bother coming to get me. It's like, well, we'll, we'll no, no, he said there'd be no point because I'll be dead. And he, he's just playing it so straight down the line that I totally believe in him as the doctor. You know, you think, right, here he goes. He's going in. He's going to sort this out. You know, um, mm. I, I, yeah, I just can't fault him in it. I think he's great. Yes. And um, uh, I think this with uh, Katie Manning uh, doing the off. Mm. Um, I think that was um, the following year. Didn't wasn't that one of the contributing reasons why he decided to go? Because he got yeah. on so well with Katie Manning that after he, you know, she obviously went, and then Barry Letts left. Yeah, um, and Roger Delgado was sadly killed. Oh, that's right, in yeah. that accident. Yeah, uh, or I don't know, had, it, had that already happened at this point? Actually, sorry, but. But it all contributed, I think. You know, they'd lost Delgado, Katie had gone, uh, like, and um, uh, Barry Letts leaving as well. I think, yeah, a lot of things came together and just made him think, right, you know, time time for me to move on, I think. Yeah, yeah. so it's kind of sad. I mean, imagine if Katie would have hung around for another series. Maybe he would have done another one on top. But Possibly. Maybe, yeah. yeah. I no, think he left yeah. at the right time, though, because I think he's got a good era. John Pertwee, he's got some really great cracking stories, but I think I think probably was right time to to move on actually, it, you yeah. know, because his next series has, has got some good stuff in there as well, mm-hmm. and he does work quite quite well with um, Liz Sladen. I yeah, think. he does actually. But I always, I often yeah. forget, you know, I often forget that that she was his companion. I always think of her as the fourth Doctor's companion. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and I've got to give a shout out to Barry Letts and Terence Dix because I was watching a little bit of the making of just before we kicked off. 
Um, and I, I just love those two guys together. I don't know if you've watched <laughs> it, but they, they seem to, they could almost finish each, each other's sentences. You know, they, mm-hmm. they're just so sort of in tune with each other. And I think that's why they work so well on the show yeah. uh, as well, yeah. you know, because Barry Letts is very worried about the way the planet was going. And I think that's why he's sort of like an uncredited writer on this, because I think the idea was, you know, partly his about what's happening with the planet and stuff. And I think Terence Dick says in the making of something like uh, Barry Letts came in with a bit of a face on and I said, come on, Barry, what's the matter now? He said, well, Terence, the world is doomed. And he's, you know, <laughs> being totally serious. I think that's how it all kicked off and how this story sort of started in the first place. So, mm-hmm. but great team, Barry Letts and Terence Dix. Yeah, I agree. And, and just before we, we finish, I must say, I do think Michael Bryant did a very good job with the direction on this. I really, really thought the direction was good. All oh, right, yeah, yes. Um, yeah, because no considering I know we get yep. shots of, I know not all the shots work, you know, like the <laughs> maggots on the hill and yeah. and stuff like that, you know, and and also we get quite a bit of CSO in this, which <laughs> does let the story down, especially not as much as I thought we got actually, but the scenes with the CSO does let it down a bit. Yeah. Um, but I thought direction-wise, it was really good, like the shot of the maggot you know creeping up behind jove to the cliffhanger to episode two or three whichever it was um stuff like that and we get a lot of shots of sort of through test tubes and things of mm-hmm. characters lined up perfectly i thought i thought the direction was really good no i agree i have no complaints from me on on the direction it's pretty good uh, mm. the cso was a bit I, I was confused by some of the cso because <laughs> there was a there was a scene where um the brig and uh benton benton are, are having a conversation in the field um, yeah oh yeah yeah and, and then um it cuts to them on a you know on a blue screen the cso with the same photo of the same field in the background yeah. and then it cuts back with the doctor arriving on bessie so um and then it cuts again to cso with the doctor in bessie and having a conversation with benton so what i can't understand is they've, they were, they were already there in that field filming those scenes but yet they filmed some of them with CSO with the photograph of the same field in the background. Yeah. So I must admit, I didn't, I didn't know that. that I didn't know why. Yeah. Maybe that was a pickup. Maybe at the end they were like, oh, we need to film this bit again, but we can't go back out to that location. So we'll have to do it. Maybe that, I'm not sure, but it was weird. It was a bit jarring, wasn't it? Mm. Cause like the Briggs cap sort of almost vanishes in <laughs> the CSO overlay at one point. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I don't know why it, why that is. Uh, like you said, it could have been pickups. I think it says in the production notes that, um, bizarrely it was always planned that way, but I don't know why, like you said, if they were there mm. and they're quite short scenes as well, I don't know why they didn't film them at the time. Yeah. To be honest. Um, and the elevator, the the when they, oh, yeah. when they're obviously it's a static elevator that they're standing on but they need to make it look like they're thundering down the mine shaft to see yeah. so and they're all sort of out of time with each other wobbling <laughs> and moving around and <laughs> and you big sort of got a big yellow line around it all as well haven't you yeah. the, the cso yeah it is a bit of a shame as i said there's not as much cso in it as as i remembered but it but the scenes with it are yeah a bit jarring i think yeah. actually the end bit's the worst with the doctor and um benton on the on bessie throwing out the food and they're oh, sort of God. supposed to be dry yeah. that looks terrible mm-hmm. i mean that really does look bad but having but said I, that though having said that mm-hmm. that is one of the things that makes watching classic who good yeah you know we we said this oh crikey right at the beginning when you and i first started recording and we were talking about just classic who in general 
And one of the things that's great and has, you know, it has a certain charm about Classic Who is the, the wobbly sets and the bad effects. So, Definitely, you know, yeah. although on one hand it's like, yes, it looks absolutely terrible. On the other hand, that's what makes it what it is. Mm. That's what makes it great sort of Sunday afternoon with a cup of tea yeah viewing you know so i don't want to bash that side of it too hard because you know that's what makes classic who what it is it's yeah fantastic no, to I, watch I, you know i agree yeah you suspend your belief don't you there's yeah. something about it you just totally get even with the giant fly which i think <laughs> if anybody uh, any of my friends had walked in the room at that point would just absolutely rip it out of it i i could <laughs> go with it i just like you said you just suspend your belief because it's that's yeah it. it's it's so good yeah yep Right, we've waffled for quite a while on this one, so let's mm-hmm. crack on with some scores. I think it's me first. It is, yeah. I am going in with a seven. A seven from you. Yep. I'm going higher. I'm going with an eight. An eight. Eight out of ten, yeah. Yeah, eight out of ten. I wasn't awesome. sure if it was a little bit high because, as I said, it wasn't quite as brilliant as I remembered, but I still really enjoyed it, and I, I just love the end scene. So, yeah, eight out of ten for me. Right, yo. Nice one. Right, what did our lovely listeners think? Um, We had a couple of audio reviews in, so let's do one of those first. Uh, This is um, our good friend Loopy Lou. This was a first-time watch for me. When Adam mentioned the giant maggots last week, I thought, oh no, it's going to be terrible. But it wasn't. It was great fun and hilarious in parts, and of course a bit sad at the end. The Doctor's portentous comment in episode one is worth noting. So the fledgling flies the coop. Aww. A little etymology fact for you. Bert calls Joe Bloodwin, which means white, fair and blessed. The Brig had some great lines, like, I never thought I'd fire an anger at a dratted caterpillar. Oh, and Benton was hilarious too. That little bit where he said, kitty, 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 come get your lovely din-dins. <laughs> More good fun, the Doctor escaping by milk float and then Sonic freeze the maggots, which was just brilliant. And of course, the flying creature got death by cloak. It was just great fun, and I would give it a solid 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10 as well. Brilliant. Cheers, Death by Cloak. I love it. Yeah, and it's great that it's a first-time watch as well. Yes. That's always good. Yes. Right, over on Facebook, Lewis Palmer says, Good story. Action-packed, creepy, funny, and sad at the end. Um, He says, Admittedly, haven't seen it in a long time, um, so his memories are a bit vague, uh, but he recalls that the effects are a bit dated, but that doesn't really hurt the story too much. Pertwee at his best performance in the last scene is fantastic. You can almost see him thinking about leaving after the next series now that Katie Manning had left and Roger Delgado tragically died. Uh, Unit are great as well. Overall, a great end to the 10th uh, series of classic Doctor Who, an 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10, cool. Uh, Brian Dobson uh, says, Hi, I just started listening to the podcast. Very good. Uh, I'm more of a classic Who fan than a new Who fan, but here we go. Overall, a credible story that brings out the best in both units and Pertwee. The effects are a struggle to watch today, but this was 1973. Uh, Funny, poignant, and with one of the saddest goodbyes ever, the final scene is my favourite when the Doctor slips quietly out of the party, taking one last drink and look Mm. at Joe. Uh, He gives it a 7 out of 10. Excellent. Welcome aboard. Welcome aboard, Brian. Brian. Nice to have you. Yep. Um, Charlie Turner says, It's overrated. Uh, I mean, okay, there are some aspects I like and some aspects I don't like. I especially like the final shot of the Doctor on Bessie. It made me feel so bad for him seeing the look on his face like he's lost his best friend, considering that uh, he's been through all his life 
Uh, John Pertwee is the best thing about it. Other than that, it's so overrated, but enjoyable nonetheless. A five out of ten. Ooh, a bit low. Five. Uh, Joseph Howarth says, one of my favourite John Pertwee stories. Yeah, the CSO effects are not the best in the story. The maggots look out of place um, and the boss can get a bit uh, grating at times, especially when he says Stevens for the umpteenth time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but ultimately, this is a very effective story, not only for Joe Grant, but also for the Doctor, seeing as this is their last story together. Uh, despite the dodgy effects, the story holds up well. Uh, I really do think that this is a fitting departure for Joe. Uh, Pertwee is at his best. Uh, there's not more I can say, really. Uh, to those of you who haven't seen the story, go and see it now. You won't regret it. It's a classic for the Third Doctor's era, 9 out of 10. Wow, high score. Yeah, good. Yep. Uh, uh, last audio clip. This is Owen Daly. Hi, guys. Hope you're well and enjoying the show this week. So, The Green Death, this is what I call a fantastic story without a doubt about it. Everything about it is entertaining, bar part one, which I did feel dragged, but once the Doctor takes on the guards with some Venusian karate, you know the story has started. The maggots are great, and I love how they infected the people. Boss was also a great villain, and I loved his sing-song voice in the areas uh, where he's talking to Stevenson, or Stevens. The Una family was on par as per usual, and as for a departure story for Joe, I thought it was very, very great, as we see her slowly fall for um, Cliff Jones, I think his name was, uh, and the final shot when she tells the Doctor that she's uh, leaving him for Cliff was great, and I loved the Doctor, you see him actually emotionally hit by it, and the final shot of him driving away was really, really moving. I watched this with a friend over the weekend who hadn't seen any classics before, and he loved it, and we both had a great time laughing at the blue screen effects, especially the one where your man's going down the uh, mining tunnel. It just, it's just so funny. I, oh, we, we, we couldn't stop laughing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, eight out, eight point five out of ten, definite classic. Thank you, Aaron. Oh, excellent, cheers, and that's funny. I can just imagine him and his mate sat there laughing at that, cracking up. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, Sammy Satine says those damn maggots. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just had to go and cause trouble. Um, <laughs> They are quite disgusting, and they are disgusting. They are, yeah. Yeah, uh, good creature effects for sure. Uh, she goes on to say, um, uh, there's a mine infected with said maggots and Unit goes to investigate. Uh, this is basically Unit does alien pest control. Uh, Nick Courtney is always an absolute delight to watch. There's the much-loved and much-missed Brigadier. Um, love Mike Yates and Benton too. I even like Joe's new boyfriend. Um, though damn him for sealing Joe away from the Doctor. Uh, Ruffles, I love Ruffles, and to be honest, at the end, uh, when he says goodbye to Joe, I wanted to give him a big hug. Uh, I cried when Joe left. I know she didn't die, but it was sad, and I was sad because the Doctor was sad. (laughs) Uh, She gives it 8 out of 10, because the maggots creep me out. Brilliant. Cheers, Sammy. She's got a good point, actually. It's a sad ending, but a happy send-off, which is the best yeah and lastly on facebook uh stan gallagher says short and sweet loved it sad that joe left right yeah cool cheers dan uh anything on the geeks handbook handbook (laughs) the geeks handbook have you got a handbook you can give us mate (laughs) yeah i might change the name actually um (laughs) yes we did have a couple on geeks handbook i had one on twitter this week from elliot beasley who says, uh, where do I start with the one with the maggots? The Green Death was the very first classic Doctor Who story I watched, so it will always hold a special nostalgic feeling for me. The story marks the end of an era in many ways. Katie Mann departs the show. It's the last appearance of the Howl Around title sequence, which looks gorgeous, by the way, doesn't it? Yeah. I lo- love that. And the beginning of the end for units. There's much to be loved in this outing, whether it's the nice location work in Wales, the eerie trip to Me- Metabelia 3, or the infamous <laughs> maggots. Did I say it right? I'm really paranoid now. Um, 
Stevens is a great villain and Pertwee going undercover as a milkman and cleaner is always memorable. There's a great scene where the Doctor gets to perform some Venetian karate too and Joe Grant gets one of the best companion exits in the show's history with the Doctor slowly driving away and Bessie alone once again. If you can get past the dodgy CSO in parts, The Green Death is an amazing watch with an interesting environmental themes. It's certainly not my favourite Perry story, he says, but if not my favourite classic story and truly deserves a 9.5 out of 10. Cheers for that one, Elliot. 9.5. It's 9.5, so some very high scores. Over on Facebook, uh, Mark Daniel Mooney simply says, loved it, or love it, he loves it. <laughs> Jace Howells says, I can sum this up in one word brilliant cool yeah it was a good word and finally patrick stewart says i love this story it's one of my favorite third doctor stories so he's giving it a 9.5 out of 10 patrick stewart yeah um the patrick, no, patrick stewart. stewart did i say patrick stewart yeah did i yeah it's patrick sherwood okay <laughs> i'm gonna go back and listen now i don't know if i might have done i don't know maybe it's me yeah. anyways some great scores there. I think overall the score, the, the average must be 8.5 or an 8, 8.5. Yeah, quite high scores. I had a couple of nine, nines there, 9.5s. Yeah. I think we only had, so there's only one one rated it 5, 5.5, yeah. whatever it was. So quite high scores there. Yeah. Yes. The Green Death, it's, um, if we had to do those badge things that they do on blogs and stuff, we would probably give it a recommended. Yeah, yeah. Go and watch it. Mm. indeed right that's going to do but next week we're going back to going back we're going forward well it is going back but it's also going forward it's like a back Work to the future moment mm. uh, we're going to visit the 11th doctor and who can't we... pronounce the episode who can't pronounce the planet right <laughs> so we're not going to metabolis 3 are we <laughs> no we're not we're not going to metabolis 3 <laughs> so what are we going to review next week <laughs> Oh, good Lord. Uh, next week, we'll be re reviewing the 11th Doctor story, The Rings of Akaten. The Rings now, of Arkhaten. Arkhaten. I was just going to say, actually, there's me bashing the 11th Doctor for not being able to pronounce a planet. Is that how you pronounce Akahaten? Akaten? Ak it's Akaten. Akaten? Yeah. Rightio. The Rings of Akaten, which uh, I remember the post. In, this was when the Beeb did these cool movie-style posters for each episode yeah. in this series. Mm. And I was very disappointed with this one because it was like a cross between Indiana Jones um, and something else. They just basically ripped off the font from Lord of the Rings. I can't remember the poster for this one. It's um, strange, isn't it? A lot of them stick in my mind, but not this one. Yeah, this one, it looks exactly like an Indiana Jones poster. Mm. go and check it out but uh, yes the rings of akaten we'll be reviewing next week um, and i know for a fact this is going to divide because mm. um, uh yes i just remember when this went out <laughs> yeah <laughs> me one. too very clearly actually yeah. yeah yeah so really looking forward to next week um mm. looking forward to your guys uh, to you guys thoughts reviews and feelings on it and i think we'll wrap there okay Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for sticking with us and listening through episode 110. Slightly long one this week. 
Mm. We've uh, just gone over two hours. So uh, if you're still here, <laughs> thank you very much for sticking with us. And uh, thank you, as always, uh, for sending in your, uh, your thoughts on uh, this week's episode. Um, and if you haven't seen it, go and give it a watch. Um, I think we'd recommend quite a few of the Pertwee ones anyway. So this is another one to add. It's got some good stuff. Yeah, good stuff in the Pertwee era. Yeah. Just uh, a lot of them are quite long, that's the only thing. Yeah, six parts. So if you've got a few hours to spare, or two and a half hours, whatever, then uh, give it a go. <laughs> Don't need uh, it while watch, eating your dinner, though. <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> no. no. Um, right, uh, next week we are reviewing the Rings of Akaten, so please uh, send in your thoughts. Uh, you can do that on Twitter, Facebook, or send us an audio clip. Just email it over, hello at bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. And uh, talking of uh, .co.uk, head over to the website, www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk or .com, whichever you like. Uh, you can listen to all the previous episodes there, and you can link off to all the social stuff. Uh, you can also click the iTunes button, so you can subscribe and listen every week in iTunes and never miss one. <laughs> and if you are an iTunes listener, if you could give us a review and a rating on there, that would be fab because it helps us out loads with pushing our little thumbnail up the list in iTunes that'd be great uh, also check out Adam's stuff he runs uh, a very successful YouTube channel called The Geek's Handbook <laughs> it's not no he runs a, a YouTube channel called The Geek's Handbag that's the one it was going to be called The Geek's Man Bag but I did change it yes for reasons now. that we haven't got time to explain now of course <laughs> uh, so check out The Geek's Handbag he's on Facebook as well Loads of cool stuff there. Really good videos. Unboxings, reviews, the lot. Whole shebang. It's all good stuff. Um, right, I'm going to go and watch Rings of Akaten now. Oh, yeah? Because I'm in the mood for it, yes. So I'm, gonna I'm go. so not in the mood for it. I'll be watching it next week. Well, I want to get it out of the way. Uh, <laughs> right. right, until <laughs> next week, my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember... Uh,